Hey there, friends. You've clicked on another episode of the spinoff show here with Anthony, also known as the Jock from the Jock and Nerd podcast. On this particular episode, I have back on independent comic book creator Andrew Gildy. You might recognize that name because he's done a Patreon-only episode for us. Um, but before that, he was on Jock and Nerd number 83, promoting his comic book, Man of Sin, which he got funded by Kickstarter with a little contribution from us and some of our listeners. So thanks for contributing to that. But we talk about Man of Sin now, where he's at now as far as that comic, where he's at in his career as an independent comic book creator. We dive into home ownership. Um, we dive real deep into UFC and mental toughness and MMA in general and wrestling. We talk about his first fight as a professional fighter, uh, a bunch of so- different topics. He's got another Kickstarter coming up pretty soon here uh, in either April or May, uh, which will be funding more issues of Madison, a graphic novel. We jump into all of that stuff. He's a really good dude. I always enjoy talking to him. Now you're going to check it out. This is the Jock Spinoff Show. What's up, Andrew? How's it going, buddy? Good, man. Good. <laughs> good, good. How was, uh, how was your Easter? It was all right. Uh, I went over to uh, my in-laws, and my wife has a pretty big family. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very overwhelming. Uh, I have a a smaller family, so oh, so going to a big family is a little overwhelming. Having to entertain that many people, yeah, and it's uh, I mean, it's just her mom is one of I think six or seven girls who had a plethora of children each. Oh gosh, so it's just, it's it's a big it's a big thing, and now their children are having children, and they're having children, so it's. It's a big to do. <laughs> well, um, yeah, my parents are the same. Like my dad has a brother and two sisters, and then my mom has three brothers, four sisters, or three. I forget. Like it's so. Like I saw big, big family parties as well. Yeah, I'm used to that. Yeah, it took a while to get used to, and it's kind of it's interesting. Like one of her cousins uh, brought like a girlfriend for like one of the first time and it's it's overwhelming if you're not like prepared for it <laughs> if you're new yeah oh yeah like yeah. i've i've been with my wife now for what is it nine years mm-hmm. five years married and dated for four and it's still overwhelming for me so yeah i can, I can only, only imagine. imagine an outsider you yeah. know someone first time well I, it's it's funny you mentioned that um i was recently at a on at coachella mm-hmm. which is you know what that is right mm-hmm. yeah okay <laughs> out in california is that out in that, california yeah nice um, and it was a bunch of my friends, but then one of my other friends, actually my now ex-girlfriend, who was is also was my ex-girlfriend on that trip, um, she brought like her best friend just to tag along. And uh, I like leading up to the trip, I guess her best friend was kind of nervous just because we've known each other for all, and this is a group of nine of us, and we've all known each other for 10 years. Yeah. So just her coming into a friend group that know, has known each other that long, it, it can be pretty intimidating. So for it's sure, a similar that, situation. Yeah, being the the outsider, everyone kind of knows each other, not know how to take right. things. No, you don't know how to navigate that. For sure, for sure. Um, I mean, I think that's normal, though. I mean, that, that shows yeah. a sign of someone who's normal. Yeah, I, I, if, I think if you're not nervous, I yeah. would be like, oh, why yeah. aren't you nervous? Yeah, you're a sociopath. <laughs> you, you like, maybe, oh, yeah, either you're a sociopath or you just don't care how you come off. Right, yeah. Right? 
But I'm, I'm assuming it all it went it went down fine. Yeah, that was great. It was fine. Nice. Yeah, nice. we're all nice people. Um, How was it, Coachella? I've never been. I heard great. Oh, things. it's 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 a trip, man. Uh, <laughs> it's a it's just interesting place for sure. It's I mean, I enjoy live music and festivals and um, being around just a bunch of beautiful people, and, for sure. and that's exactly what Coachella is. So um, it is basically right up my alley. Uh, yeah, it's a great time. I, it's one. It was one of those festivals that I just had to do, like to knock off. Like I, I can't say I love going to festivals and not try to go to Coachella. So now, where where in California it. is that? Indio, California. So that's twenty miles from Palm Springs. So it's uh, east of LA, two hours east of LA. Okay, we yeah. uh, for spring break we went to San Diego this year. Oh, San Diego's fantastic. Yeah, we stayed right on Mission Beach. We rented a. We got like a little airbnb right off oh the, nice uh, right on the ocean it was san diego is my if i were to ever leave chicago and want to move somewhere san diego would be at like the top of my list i have no idea why we came back to chicago <laughs> well other than the cost of living yeah i yeah. It, what was it was weird their starbucks are cheaper than out here is it really yeah it was a lot cheaper i want to say the same thing me and my wife get uh in chicago it's like 12 bucks and it was like eight or nine in san diego huh. so that's well, a little bit cheaper but that is cheaper else, their I mean, I think to buy more. to buy property is more. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, their beer was way more expensive too. Well, yeah, well, what was how much a beer out there? Uh, like a craft beer in Chicago is like nine bucks. I want right. to say like right. you know anywhere between like six to nine. I want to say it was like twelve to fourteen in San Diego. Uh huh. Yeah, I've been to San Diego twice, and both times I've thoroughly enjoyed myself and enough to even consider moving out there. It was it was a blast. We we left. It was a little cold. I didn't realize how cold it would be still. Um, it was like low sixties. Oh come on, dude! Uh, I mean, how are you going to say that? And you live in Chicago, cold for you know. I'm going somewhere for spring break. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> you know, like it was fantastic. I loved it, but it was. Right. I wasn't. I, I didn't realize it was like a colder then. Mm-hmm. And uh, but it, awesome time. And then we flew back in, and it was snowing in Chicago. I was. I just looked at my wife and I was like, there's no reason why we live here at all whatsoever. <laughs> I always think like to myself, why did my family decide to settle on Chicago? Right. Like, why couldn't we settled somewhere else? And the thing is like, I'm such a big like family and friends guy that like my roots are so established here. That's tough for me to ever want to leave. I'm like, if we would have just established roots somewhere else, then I could have never wanted to leave San Diego or something like that. Right. I, I will <laughs> say this though. Uh, Summertime in Chicago is one of the, the best. best the best. Everyone is so happy. We know it's yeah. a short time and like no one wants to fuck it up. Like this, this is, is all true. We this is true. I mean, there is something to the fact that we don't get this 12 months out of the year. Mm-hmm. So that, that three month window that we do get it, we are, it's the best place in the world because everyone's just ecstatic. Yes. And, <laughs> and it's say, a fantastic city in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. I will say Chicago probably. You know, I don't travel a ton, but I, I've I've been around the block, and Chicago might have like the best food, like overall, like it's great food. Yeah, f- food. Chicago, yeah, Chicago does it right. I mean, Chicago has literally everything you could want. In, I mean, it's the third biggest city in the U.S. It has, you know, every sort of food, all different cultural areas, mm-hmm. different neighborhoods. I mean, there's literally everything that you could want in a big city in Chicago. Uh, the thing that sucks is nine months out of the year, it's fucking miserable. <laughs> that is very true. Very true. <laughs> the weather just doesn't cooperate for nine months of the year. Yeah, I couldn't believe, was it last week? It was 
like 60 or 70 on the weekend and then there was a blizzard yeah and like I it heard snowed about that. for like two or three days i'm like what the I, I was happy to be in california for yeah. that you lucked out because it sucked <laughs> well i want to reacquaint the guest or the listener to who you are so you debuted on our show the jock and nerd show back in uh, march of 2016 so it's yeah. been over three years yeah three years um, now i can't believe yeah. it it seems like it was yesterday right i'm does fly <laughs> You uh you came on to promote Man of Sin, correct? Um, which was was kickstarting that month and was successfully funded, mm-hmm. all thanks to us. No, just kidding. Mostly, <laughs> you guys are probably a big help. I mean, I'm sure <laughs> we I'm probably sure helped help out a tiny bit. I don't I don't want to I don't want to take away. It was it was all you, man. It was, <laughs> it was all your hustle. Um, but you know what's been going on since man. And then you also did a, a Patreon only episode with me and Imran. Um, I don't even know when that was yeah how, how did that do did people like it did anyone listen to it it's it's tough to so patreon doesn't give us numbers on who actually listens okay and we we th- i think we let's let me look up real quick we don't have a ton of people on patreon we have we have a, a decent enough amount of people that it now like it helps fund the show but it's I not enough because i know i know when you were you guys were telling me about it i don't think yeah. you had any yet or you were no, just starting we were just starting it when we when you came on yeah we, now we have 56 patrons which isn't a gigantic number, but I mean that's fifty six people that are just donating money to us, yeah, which is I, fantastic. Yeah, I, I took a look at it before uh, before we got on, and I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, I'm super anytime, happy for you guys. I mean, you guys have, oh, been, have been rocking out for over long three time. years now. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like like you said, it feels like yesterday that me and Imran started this thing, and and now we're doing you know we're doing stuff for Patreon. He's he we're still doing Jock and Nerd. I'm doing this show, so. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of different stuff that's happened since then, but um, you got Manison launched. I read your little blog about Manison being launched and um, signing on with a, a publishing team. Yeah, uh, actually, a literary manager. Liter- out, okay, out in Hollywood. It's, uh, so here's what happened. So when you kick, I don't know if anyone knows this. Uh, I guess I'll go through the whole Kickstarter yeah, go ahead. thing. Um, so uh, I had uh, the first issue of my comic book, Man of Sin. It was created. We sent to a bunch of publishers. Everyone turned us down uh, because we suck. <laughs> no, uh, they just turned us down. I, and uh, one publisher, actually, one of the editors, reached out to me and was like, hey, I really like your book. It's just not for our company. Like, mm-hmm. the tone and everything, it's just not us. And you should go to Kickstarter. So I did my research, uh, ended up going to Kickstarter to publish uh, the first issue because uh, it was already done. So just print it up and get it into people's hands. Um, and it was a, it was a great success. We successfully funded it, uh, with the help of, I think 69 or 66, I don't remember the exact number, uh, mm-hmm. backers. So it was, it was awesome. What was your goal? I forget. Uh, I think it was, it was only 1500 and we raised. Oh yeah. That's uh, very, very reasonable. Yeah. We raised a little bit over uh, 2000. So it was wow. nice. That's um, nice. Yeah. It was nice. And for like having absolutely no audience whatsoever, um, the support that, you know, the support of people were awesome. But when you do a Kickstarter, like all of a sudden people from like all over will message you and ask you crazy things. Like I had this guy from Russia like message me and was like, I really like your writing. And I'm like, how do you know? You have never even read the comic. It's not released yet. <laughs> he's like, I want you to write this movie for me. And he's like sending me these YouTube videos of him like singing on a guitar. It was like, and he was what like really fuck? fucking pushy too. I'm like, dude, I'm not writing your movie. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, it was it was getting intense. Like, he was, like, threatening me and stuff. It what was, the hell? Really? Yeah, like, all the way in Russia? 
Yeah, like not threatening me, but like you're you know misusing using this opportunity, a, using an aggressive tone. I'm yeah. like, oh, that's gonna make me want to do your movie now, right? Uh, so there was that, but then a couple smaller publishers reached out to me. Um, it's really interesting. Like people are like, yeah, I really like your book. Let's do something. And then I would send them stuff and then I won't hear it back from them. Mm. And it's like, all right, whatever. And so then this literary manager gets in contact with me or, and so he's like, I really like this idea. Can you send me this? Here's my credentials. And I, I looked him up and he was a, uh, it was a legit company. They legit had clients. Um, they had a movie that was released. It was on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a couple of clients working out movies, uh, in the comic book. Like it was like a legit lead. Mm-hmm. And so long story short, we were going back and forth and I signed with him. Well, when I signed with him, he kind of, I don't want to put it on him, but it was one of those things where it was like, all right, now you got to do it this way because we got to market you in a certain way. You got to do things in a certain way. Um, mm-hmm. and so I spent once, so the Kickstarter ended and I signed on with him. That was like the like spring 2016. And I spent like the last two and a half years just working with this guy or bringing some of my ideas to Hollywood. One of them being man of sin. Like we turned it into like this TV show, um, like doing spec scripts. And- oh, wow. So this was all to get on TV or something. something. I thought it was just to write more comics or stories. No. So like the whole, so here's what he saw. Like here, he didn't tell me this, but like, this is what I took from him. He saw me and he's like, wow, this is an undiscovered, undiscovered, like young Robert Kirkman. Like he's going to have, he could get his foot into the comic book world and also do screenplays and write, you know, do TV shows. So like, if, like Robert Kirkman with the walking dead, he saw me like, I think he saw me in that direction. I right? mean, everyone's looking for someone like that, right? That's, I mean, to I get think, their teeth into real quick and be like, this is my next Trojan horse to get on right. everything. Yeah. He saw, so he saw me on that. Like, I think that's what he saw in me, which is really cool. Like being first time out, someone who's established in Hollywood and is actually doing Hollywood stuff. And I went to school for creative writing with a concentration in screenplay. So I know how to do it. That's in my mm-hmm. background. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like so far off that I couldn't write scripts um, or screenplays. So mm-hmm. I, I dived right in for two full years and it was really cool. I learned a lot, but absolutely nothing came out of that. Jeez. Yeah, absolutely nothing. You, were you getting paid? No, no. Wow. So everything was on. So like, I didn't even get one thing. Like he didn't even approve one thing to send out. Like he didn't send one thing out. Wow. I kept sending him stuff and like he would want it to be tweaked this way or tweaked that way. And it was just pretty much two years of me just developing stuff. Jeez. Yeah, it was. Uh, it took would, a you lot ever, would you have ever gotten money if it went out? Yeah. Like, how so does like, that say, work? Well, so here, here's how a manager works. So they, they manager, a literary manager and a literary agent are kind of two different things. Okay. An agent does the deals. A manager package your, packages is your, packages your ideas to sell. Okay. So once he had the package, like, all right, we have the, the spec script and the, you know, all the trimmings and everything around it to give to a studio then we would find an agent who would want to work with us to broker the deal. Mm. And so and that's how you take, get money. So he would take, if the deal went through, my manager would take 15% and whatever the agent that I didn't have yet would take some percent. And then I would get the rest mm. on some sort of spec deal. And then for him, he really wanted me to get into like 
um, like staff writing, like for mm-hmm. like The Walking Dead or something like that, in which he would get paid. Uh, like staff staff writers, I believe. Don't quote me on this. It's like four grand a week or something like that. So he would get fifteen percent of that. Mm-hmm. And as my manager, like he does all the collecting of the money. So he would go out and like say, uh, my book got picked up by Image or he brokered a deal with you know Dark Horse. They would send him the money, not me. And I would mm. pay through him, and he would do all that stuff. So you have to really trust him, though, then, or you'd have to get all this in writing. Yeah, there was a lot of back and forth. There was a long contract. Um, I, I, you know, I thought I dotted my eyes and crossed my t's, but nothing came out of it. So there's two that. years. So then, like after two years, did, did did he just let you go, or you were just both you mutually agree this, this? It was just we were slowly fading. Like our talking, like we would talk. We it was started like we would talk almost every day, and then slowly over time as those relationships, you know, a lot of it too was me because I was just getting frustrated and just tired, just sitting at my computer, rewriting stuff that Mm -hmm. I didn't really believe in. Like it was, he would take my ideas and, and I think he's, I don't want to put this on him because I think he's a wonderful manager and probably is really good at his job. Um, but like it would be my ideas, but he would put his spin on it, mm. and then I would find myself like sitting at my desk trying to write through his idea, like through like his through lens. his lens, yeah, yeah. And so it was just really draining. And so like when I would get stuff to him, would start start slowly increasing in time. So instead of getting to him in a week, it would be three weeks, and then a month, and then yada yada. And so last time I talked to him, I think technically I'm probably still under contract with him. Oh, we wow. never, we never officially parted ways. But the last time I talked to him, it was kind of like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna go do this." And he was like, "Well, his last thing he told me is like, I'll leave the light on for you if you have anything you want to send my way." And that was about it. Mm. Jeez. So I just, I just took it, <laughs> I, I took it upon myself to be like, "All right, I'm gonna just go do what I wanted to do in the first place." After this two year detour, I remember reading in your your blog, agildy.com, right? Mm-hmm. You 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 put it as something along the lines of, and I'm, I'm trying to remember this correctly, but it was like a relationship where everything seems to be on paper, like this should be awesome, and yet yes. it's not. It's just not working. I, that that kind of spoke to me because I was recently in a relationship like that where everything on paper, a real like a real not a not a writing relationship, right, 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 yeah, <laughs> a romantic one, um, where I was in one where I was like everything on paper it should be like awesome. And yet it's just not working. Yeah. And, like, and then every day is like even more arduous and more of like, okay, what am I doing? How should I be pleasing this other person on the other side? You know, what, how should I should be now thinking like them so that they don't get you know upset about this. And it's like, wait a minute, I'm now not becoming myself anymore. Like <laughs> That's a, that was a hundred percent how I felt. I mean, yeah. Uh, I'm glad, like, I'm glad it resonated with you because that's that, what, it, that that line resonated cause just because it was so recent that this relationship happened. I was like, oh man, that's exactly how that must have felt. Yeah, and and that's what it felt like. So you know, as a new as a new writer, like just getting in, like you're nervous. All you have is fear. You don't even know if you're good enough. You don't even know. You know, all the publishers turned you down. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just going out to Kickstarter just to get my book out into the world. I just want people to read it. Um, like I am literally brand new into this and then you you really you always want that i want to be a professional you always want to but you still think you're an amateur especially at that level and then a guy who works with professionals like the new hot girl right, right. that the, the senior hot girl when you're in high school 
comes and says, Hey, I like you. You're like, Oh my God, like this should be amazing. This is everything I want. And it was, he was like signing my name. And I think I wrote about, I, I, I think I said this, I, I wrote this or some version of it was he was the physical manifestation of the, the worth that I was looking for outside in the outside world. Does that make sense? Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. And so it was like, all right, I am good enough. I am this and I, I am that. And then when we got together, I would share my ideas with him and, and where I wanted to go with the series. And it was like, oh no, I, we, we were going to take it this way. Like one of the big reasons why and to like all my Kickstarter uh, backers, one of the reasons why I went cold was because, well, you can't do all. It was one of those things where like, I don't want you to do too much because you're going to ruin the future sales. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was like, I was like in a weird, I was kind of caught like, all right, I just got all of these fans, but now I can't like, deliver. Yeah, I, I delivered on my end, mm-hmm. like what I promised them, but now I can't go further and build on that platform. Right. Like, mm-hmm. all right, now out of these 66, let's turn these 66 into a hundred and let's keep moving. Like that was my original goal, like build a grassroots foundation of fans that like my writing for me. And when I signed this, I thought this would be great. Like, all right, you guys help me get to Hollywood. Now we're, this thing now became a TV show or a movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. And nothing transpired. So it was almost like two years of just dead work. Did you, did you end up delivering everything that you promised to your fans like right away? Yes. I, I mean, I, that was my number one. That was another thing. He wanted like to redo pages and like add pages. And I'm like, dude, that's not how this works. Right. But it was one of those things where like, I don't think he understood yeah the reason i ask is we we had another um kickstarter that jock and nerd supported um great guys um but we they they ended up getting funded and then we didn't get the fucking book that they promised us for like three years oh wow really (laughs) yeah man i was at one point like maybe like two years in i wrote this guy i was like hey man like you better give us my either give us this book or give me back my money and he was like super apologetic and wanted to, um, like, he was like, I'll give you back your money. I'll send you the book for free. I'm like, just keep the money. Just send me the fucking book. Like, right. I don't even want the book. It's like, I didn't even want the, I wasn't even supporting the book because I wanted to read the book. I was just supporting the guy. Right. And, and this out of principle, I'm like, send me the fucking book, man. And then he wanted to, like, come on, Jock and Nerd, and explain the situation. I'm like, no, man. Like, Im- Imran was all about, like, yeah, let's do it. I'm like, <laughs> fuck no. Like, you know, Imran's the nicest guy mm-hmm. ever. So I can't fault him. But I'm like, fuck no, we're not giving this guy a platform after, like, right. He goes on, like, comes on our show, uses our base to rally like a, a Kickstarter, and then doesn't deliver for like three years. I'm like, dude, no, wow. no one, you don't get any press, you don't get any. There's no, there's no coming back. You, you go away. Th- that I, my number one goal besides like getting funded and fanned was was to deliver an awesome book. Yeah, and like the people who've seen the book and seen, uh, you know, I I'm really lucky. Like the artist Camilo Pons is amazing. Yeah, that was like, a great. He was a great artist. I mean, he's just He is a great artist. Yeah, he, he's phenomenal. And so like Isn't I, he down in South America? Yeah, he's in Chile. Yeah. I've actually yeah, yeah. never actually Yeah, that's right. I remember tell, talking about this. Yeah, I've never physically met him and I've never even uh, you know, verbally spoken to him. It's all been like on emails or Facebook Messenger. Um, but we've like we've been working together for like 5 years now. That's and awesome. like even in that time, Camilo was like, so he finished book 2 in that time. So we sent book 2 out to all the fans. Uh, as a digital copy. So in this time, like I'm working with this, uh, uh, this literary manager, um, a small publisher called insane comics. Have you ever heard of them? 
insane now. I'm, I'm not all that familiar with the. So yeah, so they were an indie company. They're actually an indie, indie company out of Rockford, Illinois. Oh, nice. And they uh, they were doing really good stuff, and uh, they offered us um, a publishing deal with them. And it, I really liked it because he was from Illinois. Um, he was close. Um, and so then they republished issue one and published issue two for the first time ever. And this was last year. So oh, issue, nice. issue one came out, I want to say, in uh, February and issue two in March. And I actually got uh, – I was a featured guest for their uh, booth at C2E2 last year. Oh, I was, wow. like signing autographs and really? stuff for fans. Yeah, <laughs> What's <was> awesome. that like? <laughs> oh, dude, it was surreal. Yeah, I got to send you the picture. There's a picture of me, and this guy was dressed up in a full oogie boogie costume from Nightmare uh, Before Christmas, <laughs> and getting your autograph. Yeah, it was. Uh, so let me tell you this: this was the craziest thing. Like, I am not a celebrity in the least bit. No, right? Like, I am the like triple Z. Like, no <laughs> one should know. No one should know me. Yes. Right? And have you ever been? You have you ever been to C two E two? One time, yeah. So you know how like the food one of the food courts like upstairs on like that pillar yeah um so our booth was kind of looking it was like on like the end aisle looking like you could look up and see the food court and so i'm standing there greeting people saying hi you know whatever and i see this guy and he's like eating food and lock locks eyes with me mm-hmm. stops eating leaves his food up there runs downstairs runs up to me shakes my hand he's like oh my god i'm a huge fan of your book and i came here just for you what the fuck and i was like <laughs> and i was like star like not starstruck but like just taken back i'm like yeah are you kidding me he's like yes i've been following your book i'm a big fan of the artist on um on instagram and he he bought both the books we signed it i got a picture with him it was just a really cool experience That's i was crazy. like dude i would have been here all day you could have finished eating like you better get back <laughs> up to your food before it gets thrown out man if you want to come talk come talk um, and so it was just, it was really cool to, to see, like, even if I have one person like that, like yeah. that, that's why I started this, not to do the whole Hollywood thing. Right, and right. sometimes it's like, uh, you know, that TLC song, don't go chasing waterfalls. Yep. Yep. Like, I really <laughs> think I went and chased a waterfall. I should have stayed like in my yeah, life for a but little you, bit. But you don't know, you don't know what you don't know until you do it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was, it was a good experience. I really think he's good at what he does. I really do. But he wasn't good for me. Like. He would give me my, my literary manager would give me examples or things, and by the way, is you're you're using an Apple earbud, right? Yeah, yeah. You're. Uh, I think your mic keeps hitting like it keeps oh. hitting your your shirt. Just sorry, it's all. I'll lean good. forward. Yeah, um, there you go. <laughs> so it was one of those things where he would give me like advice or examples or or like it should be like this, and it was like a taste that wasn't my taste. Does that make mm, sense? Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. I was like, all right, well, I think that shit's stupid. So. I don't know why I'm going to do it that way, but here we go. <laughs> I mean, everything, everything you're saying is resonating with me just because I'm recording it to the relationship I was in. Yeah. Where, like, again, like, I remember getting into this relationship with this girl, and I'd known this girl for a long time, and I'd go, like, she'd been with someone else, and then she finally got a free, and I'd been, like, dating other girls, but I was like, every date that I've been on, Every time I've approached a girl has led me to this moment where I can get this girl. Right. Like, it's all it's all paying off. Right, for sure. <laughs> and then you get in and you're like, Yes, this is awesome. And then again, like you said, it's just it it doesn't work for whatever reason. And and I'm sure when you're in it, you're like, All right, maybe it's me. Like maybe I'm the one. Like everything about this is what I want. But then you're like, No, this is 
this mix just isn't doesn't work. Right. Yeah. I mean, there were times where I was like, "Is it me? Like, am I just an asshole?" That's what I thought. Uh, like, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm like, man, I am. Like, I'm not good enough. Right. Like, man, I I do suck. But then I was like, you know what? Like, all of the things that I sent, I could now use. Like, it wasn't totally wasted. Right. I could right. use it later on. What um, I, what I also had to get away from, and I'm sure you've probably felt the same way in in that relationship is. Like I didn't want to. I, I, there are times where I'm like, "Oh, she sucks. Like she sucks. Like there's something wrong with her." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Wait, it's not like just like how you're saying. Like I'm sure the the guy is a great manager. Like and like it's. An, I don't want to blame this all. Like I don't want to be like, oh, this was all her fault either. Like there's a little bit like that was her fault, and there's probably a little bit that was my fault, and it just didn't work. Like yeah. the, with we put this chemical mixture together and just exploded. It didn't fucking. <laughs> we didn't create a new element here. Yeah, I, I think you know, just being older now. Like that wasn't too long ago, but like being older and having perspective, I think right away when I noticed when you when you start thinking that, it's already too late. What's it's that? already over. Just like this isn't working. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Like I've been with my wife now for nine years, and I've never thought that. Like we. That's great. We work together. She's she's awesome. Mm-hmm. I, have a, I have a great wife, and like I remember I remember sitting at a bar with my younger brother. And I was telling him kind of this same crisis I have. Like, it was one of those things where I was like, I want to leave him, but then I feel like a failure if I leave him. Like, literally like a girlfriend. Right. right? And he was like, dude, he needs you. Like, he doesn't make any money unless you make money. Like, there's a, mil- there's a million of him out there. There's only one of you. Mm-hmm. If it's not working for you, just go. Like, this is my younger brother talking to me. And like, it, <laughs> he even said that, and I stayed like another year. Like, mm. like a horrible relationship because, <laughs> you know, I, I, I was so like thick headed, like, and that's a little like personality, I guess, like flaw of mine mm-hmm. is that like, I'm really competitive, especially with myself. Right. Like, I really feel like I can do anything if I work hard enough, even if I fail, like I'm not afraid of failure. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid of giving up. That's, that's funny that you say that. Cause I, I was kind of the same way in this relationship. Like whenever, like we were like thinking about ending it. Or she would want to bring up like any, I'd be like, well, you're just quitting. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, I kept saying right. like over and over, I'm like, you're just quitting. Like, and I would say the same, like, even when I would be like, well, should I end it? I'm like, but then you're quitting. Right. Like I, I, for whatever reason, like quitting for me was a bad, like, like doing, being a wrestler growing up. Uh, well, not growing up. I only did it for two years, but I remember being in wrestling and wanting to quit every week and being like, but you can't quit. Like you, that, that was always my mindset. So you can't like, even now I do CrossFit and I suck at it. I'm fucking terrible. But I'm like, I can't quit. Like now I'm doing this. I'm just going to keep doing it. That was, like, that's one thing. Like when you said like as a wrestler and I, mm-hmm. I wrestled uh, a good portion of my life now. And that's one thing that I have that I know my brothers don't have. And I know a lot of the general public don't have that you learn mm-hmm. from that sport. If you spend any time with it. Oh yeah. Is that um, getting through the bad because you know it's going to be better on the other side. Right. Like you get a hundred percent of, it, you know, you get 100% out of it, what you put in. And the not quitting thing is just something that's so ingrained in me. Uh, Definitely. And it's helped I mean, me in my professional life. And, uh, you know, and it was just one of those things that I think I needed to take a step back. It's like, all right, you're not quitting. You're just making a good decision. Right, right. Yeah, there's a difference between quitting and actually just being smart about your life. I mean, that 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 was one of the big things that wrestling imprinted on me was just not quitting. Like, you're going to have to fucking, you're like, you're going to have to tell me to go. I'm not going to go. Right. <laughs> but, but, but that stubbornness also can lead to, you know, staying in things way too long and not being, taking the, taking a, 
a step back and going, is this the right relationship or is this the right thing for me? Right. And hundred percent. And you know, it's, it's good. I, I think to have perspective. I know if like I got approached again, I think mm-hmm. I would do more feeling out before I signed my name on the dotted line. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, and I also didn't know kind of like what I could or couldn't like, get know, like not get away with, but could do. Mm-hmm. So like signing that deal with insane comics, um, like I had to ask permission, like, and I was like super scared about it. Cause like, I didn't want to lose the publishing, but I also mm-hmm. didn't want to like not upset my manager, but like have him, like broker the deal and me lose 15% of nothing. Cause it's an indie studio. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it was like one of those things, like I was walking on eggshells the whole time. Cause I wasn't, you know, I wasn't fully aware of my rights mm-hmm. as like a, as an artist that I, I, you know, I've done my homeworks and I did my homework before, but I just, one of those things just being so new. Um, it's just like, you're navigating a world you've never navigated before. So, so what's, what's up now? Or what are you trying to do? Well, or- uh, unfortunately, uh, Insane Comics closed their doors in July before mm. issue three and four could come out. So, uh, perfect timing. Me and, uh, Camilla were able to kind of get on the same schedule because in that two year hiatus, you know, Camilla just kept working and doing other stuff and getting more work. And he still wanted to be a part of the project, but our kind of our, our, uh, our schedules didn't line up. And so now they lined up and now we're, we're going to go back to Kickstarter where it all started. And, uh, we're going to release the, uh, the graphic novel version collecting issues one through four. So the released issue one and two and the previously unreleased three and four oh, uh, wow. in a beautiful graphic novel. It's, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be sweet. I got, uh, I got a couple of guest artists to come on and contribute to, uh, some of the rewards. And so it's, it's going to be awesome. I think the fans, the fans of man of sin and new fans are going to love it. Do you, make any money off of Kickstarter or is it all just goes right back into the comic? I have not made a dime. Um, you have not. So this is all just passion project. Yeah, this is all just passion. Like, um, I have not made anything of anything. I've, I've lost money. Hopefully my wife doesn't hear that. Or <laughs> to this. Uh, you don't have to disclose. I mean, what's a, what's a couple dollars, you know, right. whatever, you know? So, I mean, it, I, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer on, uh, paying the artists what they're worth. Mm-hmm. Um, they're bringing stuff that's in my mind to life. Right. Um, I'm, I know a lot of writers are like, well, I'm not making any money, so they're not. And I don't prescribe to that. They're doing, they're doing something that I can never do. And I really respect every artist that I've worked with. I've never had a problem, uh, you know, agreeing to terms with, you know, with any artist. I, I, I see their worth. I know what artists are worth. Um, and so, so there's that aspect, you know, paying the artists for, for their work. And then there's the production and everything. And so, um, I try to keep my, my Kickstarter goals, um, as low as possible, just to break even on the production and getting it to fans mm-hmm. and making the best product and paying the artists where I'm not making anything. What I'm making is I'm making fans. I'm going forward in my you know, creative career. That's what I'm doing this for. I'm not doing it for uh, a paycheck. I have a, I have a great job. So mm-hmm. it's not like I'm, I, you know, I'm not making, a, I'm not, you know, wealthy by any means, but I'm not, you know, I'm not struggling either. That's good. And and now you have a, uh, since we last spoke, you have a, you moved out to the suburbs I did, of, yeah. of Chicago. For sure. Yeah. You're a homeowner. I am. Yeah. Congrats, man. Thanks, man. It's, uh, it's pretty wild. I, <laughs> I do not know how to do a goddamn thing. <laughs> I am completely and utterly useless. Uh, 
And so that is not good when you own a home. <laughs> there is nothing but shit to fix. I was going to say, I'm like, you know, the, the American ideals, you know, you own your own condo or your own home. And as I've gotten, gotten older and used to either living with other people or living with, living, you know, in renting, um, homeownership for me, man, is scary. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to fucking have to deal with when the AC isn't working, I have to figure that out and foot the oh, bill. Oh my fuck, God. Fuck that, man. I mean, <laughs> if it wasn't for my wife, I would still be renting. I mean, yeah. if it wasn't for my wife, fuck, I would be a derelict somewhere. Like <laughs> I'd probably be in California. You know? Uh, no, I actually, I read an article. Uh, I want to say recently where, um, the like younger generation, um, they're, they're more into renting. Like buying homes is not kind of mm. on their radar. I could see that. I mean, I'm I'm not in any position to want to buy a home right now, so I can sympathize with that. And and one of the things we're saying that uh, you know, being able to be mobile and move, yep, is uh, more valued than laying roots. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you that you say that, night, and I have that same mindset, even though I've laid roots here. Like I've I've never lived anywhere else other than Urbana Champaign for mm-hmm. for college, but. Yeah, I, I think the the big thing besides this the the money aspect of having to foot all the bills is like, what if I wanted to leave? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can't do that if I own, or I, I can, but it's a little bit more. I have to jump through a few more hoops to get out of that home ownership or you know lease or something like that. Like, I'd rather just be able to, if I need to move, I can just move. Yeah, I, I know if it wasn't for my wife, I would be renting somewhere, and I, I wouldn't. I don't know if I would. I would come back out to the suburbs. I'd probably still be in the city. <laughs> Where were you living in the city? The we lived everywhere, but the last oh. place we lived uh, was in Roscoe Village. Oh, nice! Yeah, it was. I loved that Roscoe Village place. It was. It was nice. It was close to everything that it needed to be close to because we were getting. You know, we were your age. You know, mm-hmm. a little bit older, so we're not. You know, going out as much. Right. But it was still close enough to where it was just a quick Uber ride or walk down the street, and we could. Roscoe's nice. I like Roscoe Village. Yeah. We lived everywhere: Roscoe Village, Ukrainian Village, Bucktown, Worker Park. Like yeah, Buck, I like Bucktown a lot. Yeah, North Avenue. I like diversity. Diversity is a lot of fun. Yeah. That's all? I mean, it's all... But now you're in what, Lombard? Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, Lombard. Yes. Suburban life is different, man. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. But I still see, even though I, I live in the... I've lived in the city. Or I live in the city. Um, I still have that suburban mindset. Like, Because I, I, li- I grew up in the city until I was 14 or 13, maybe. 12 or 13, somewhere around there. And then I moved out to the suburbs. Um, but I didn't start like, I was like my father in that I, I like to drive everywhere. I don't like public transportation. So even living in the city, I still, if I'm not taking Uber, I personally just drive. I don't take public transportation at all. I want to say we very rarely took public transportation. Like yeah. We Ubered everywhere when we lived in the city or walked. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, but that was, that's the one biggest thing. It's like, well, what the do you suburbs wanna... is definitely like you have to drive. Oh yeah, no, like you like between our, like we would say like all right, who's driving tonight? Who's <laughs> like who's taking the bullet? Or we would just Uber if neither of us wanted to take the bullet. Mm-hmm. But I just remember like walking out of our house or like, what do you want to do tonight? I don't know. Let's turn left and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Like we would we would do that all the time. It was you can't do that in the suburbs. No, no, there's far <laughs> less to do. Far <laughs> less to do. You can't. You don't walk out of your house and go. Let's walk this way and see what happens. Right. And there's, you're just going to walk past a lot more houses that look like yours. For sure. <laughs> and that, that's one thing I, th- I thought was interesting too. Like we always lived in like apartment buildings and stuff. 
mm-hmm. and we were never like super close to our neighbors. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is like a, a good trait of our neighborhood, but like we get like I'm friends with my neighbors now. Like that's a thing. <laughs> Like I never knew anyone in any of my apartment buildings. That's really. freaking hilarious, dude. Yeah. I, I've noticed the same thing. I don't know. Obviously, I don't own homes, but like when I was in the burbs, like I knew all the neighbors. Yeah. But like living in closer quarters in an apartment, you might just like give a little head nod to your neighbor, but other than that, you don't really hang out with your neighbor. Yeah, I, I think that's weird, right? Like it's strange. You're almost on top of each other, like proximity wise, right? And like, and you 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 basically see each other multiple times during the week. You want nothing to do with them. Maybe yeah, because and, you're and, so close, you're like, I need to have this space. Right. This is all I got. I, I think that has that, that definitely, like, you're so close to one another that you're like, when I'm in my space, this is my space. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to, like, I, it's almost as if you get to your home and you're like, I'm done. Like, I'm on top of everybody. I'm just one, like, this is my my little area. Whereas when you're in the burbs, you're like, this is my home, but like, this is our, like our community. Like we have a, a nice little neighborhood right here. Now that's exactly, we all have to watch out for for the neighborhood. Yeah. You hit it right on the head for sure. There's, there's no fucking like watching out for each other in Chicago. (laughs) No, no, no. I mean, if anything, I hated most of my neighbors. Like my wife would always at the one apartment we had in uh, Lakeview. Her, if anyone used the shower first, they would be the ones to get the hot water. And so oh, man. she was on the same like schedule as this other woman and the woman would always beat her no matter what my wife would do. So my wife was like constantly taking cold showers and like, she was like <laughs> our arch nemesis. Just cause the shower. Right. No, first off, that's a shitty building you were living in. Oh, it was, it was a shithole. I mean, <laughs> it was, you know, it was Lakeview is nice for the area, but it was a shitty, we were in our twenties. I mean, yeah. It was, who cared? Right, right. You were living in Lakeview at that point. Right. I mean, <laughs> Lakeview is awesome. Otherwise, yeah. just the amount, amount of things to do. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I love the city, but it's, it's weird. Like, uh, we would like go back and like now since living in the burbs and like try to like do what we used to do. I'm mm-hmm. like, what, are, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> this is madness. <laughs> like, you mean to tell me I'm going to get up at noon and start drinking mimosas before I even start drinking? Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's different. I, I like I like both. I mean, I, I've lived I've lived enough in both areas to like say that I legitimately like both. Um, but yeah, man, when living in the city and, and like Sunday fun days or Saturday, like those, are, oh, I, I, awesome. I still enjoy them. But I'm just like, man, that's, that's rough. <laughs> I, I mean, I want to say like there was a there was a point where we were like Thursday night we would go out and we wouldn't stop going out until like Sunday night, like oh jeez. And not, not like crazy party, but like, you know, Thursday night, there was a special somewhere we would do something. And then there was a special somewhere on Friday. And there's, you know, there's, if you know what your way around Chicago, there's specials everywhere. There's specials everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, there's always something to do. Well, funny, like, like you mentioned going out. I was, so when I was out in California, we went out Thursday and then we did the three day festival, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, traveled back Monday. I didn't get home till Tuesday morning, like 1230 AM. And I'm literally, as of yesterday, was like finally feeling like myself again. Ooh, like, yeah. Ooh. Like the 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 recovery period takes a while now. As yeah. as we were talking about earlier. Now that's that's a bad one. Yeah, I mean, it, not and it wasn't even that I was hungover or anything because I wasn't. It was just that like my body was so tired. Oh yeah, for sure. You were probably like, just um, just going nonstop, just not. Yeah. 
just go, yeah, just go and like need, I just needed sleep. And I, I even took a day off of work and I still was just mentally and like physically and mentally just super exhausted. I, I, I've been there, man. I hear you. <laughs> you, um, and there's one thing that you brought up in your email that I wanted to definitely talk to you about. Cause I don't get many opportunities to talk like this about this particular topic. So you're still watching MMA? Oh yeah, huge fan. Huge, like how big? Uh, I, I mean, I watch it almost every pay per view. Every every pay per view, I can. Did you watch last night, yesterday's fight night? I did not. I did okay. not watch. Yesterday. Do you do you subscribe to ESPN Plus? They got me. I got, they got you. I got got. <laughs> I got. I, got. I, I haven't jumped on the ESPN Plus thing yet. Um, eventually, I I probably will, but I haven't done it just yet. So. Couple things. So, but they, but they put all the pay per views on there now too. Yeah, which so is, that makes which it is bullshit. Which is a fucking mafia yeah. racket thing. Yeah, uh, that's that's <laughs> bullshit in and of itself. But, um, like my wife, if if I wasn't married to my wife, there's a lot of things I would do different. But one of them would be like I would just stream that shit illegally. Yeah, you know, not think twice about it. She is so worried about anything happening. She's like, just get the subscription. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get the subscription. I, you know, I can get this for free, right? Right. And so Reddit has a million links. Yeah, I, I'm sure if I if I look anywhere, I, I don't I don't actually do that. I don't have a, a Mac or anything. So like, if I were to illegally do that, I, I'm sure I would get so many f- fucking viruses on this computer that mm-hmm. it would just be over. So I just choose <laughs> not to purchase it. But I am, I, I'll say my my fandom is still like is high in terms. Of I still follow it. But I don't follow it as intensely as I used to, just because of the fact that it's like half more than half the events now are behind a paywall. Yeah, I mean, so that's that sucks. So, I when I got the ESPN Plus deal, the uh, um, what is it, the Gastelum, the slash page for you, the Gastelum, Gastelum, Adesanya, yeah. Um, I was trying to order it, and they got flooded with so many people trying to order it. I missed the first fight. Really? That was that bad? I yeah. heard there was a lot of issues. With oh, man, I was freaking out. At first, I was like, fuck this. I'm, I'm Fuck them, and, and, and fuck UFC, and fuck ESPN, and fuck Disney. Like, I was just so pissed, because I'm a big fan. I really like it. And uh, finally, I was like, fine, I'll do it one more time. And sure enough, that last time, it went through. And it, like, was just, it was just everyone was pressing go I at the yeah. same time. Yeah. And so uh, I got it, and it was an awesome card. Did you happen to see the card? I only saw the last two fights, so... That's all you need to see. Yeah, yeah that's all I need to see. Can you give me see. two seconds? I need to get some water. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, thanks. Sorry, man. Oh, all good. Get that water. Water's important. I actually just finished my water bottle. So I'm going to be dehydrated for the rest of this show. If you're listening, you can just hit like that 15-second skipper. Just keep hitting it over... And over and over until you hear Andrew Gildy start talking again. He's back. Is he back? Yeah, he's sorry back. about there that. There he is. Sorry about that. I was I was just talking and telling the, the listener to just hit that 15-second skip button until they hear your voice. Oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I actually I, I got a fucked up. I got a fucked up back. I got a, a pinched nerve in my neck. So I'm on oh, jeez. Bunch of medication. One of it's drying my throat out like a motherfucker. Ugh. From years of wrestling. Yeah, wrestling. That's the thing I'm happy that I didn't wrestle for years for because I know my neck and shoulders would be just all jacked up. Yeah, well, this is... You know, I, I got stingers a lot. Like, 
not a lot, a lot's probably the wrong word, but I got, I would get stingers, you know, right, not regularly, but occasionally. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I was just wrestling around in the off season with one of my, uh, one of my wrestlers and, uh, I threw him and I just landed funny and my whole right side of my arm was on fire. I thought mm-hmm. I dislocated my shoulder, um, cause I couldn't move it. Uh, finally I got the feeling back and I could move it, but I couldn't turn my neck. My back was all messed Yikes. up. And so I went to the doctor and everything like, yeah, you're, you're pretty messed up, man. You're in your thirties. You shouldn't be tossing kids anymore. <laughs> and yet you see like these UFC fighters that are in their thirties and forties still going at it. They never stopped. No. You know what I'm saying? And they're, they're probably all banged up. That's why most of them are on some sort of PD PD. It's not for the, I don't, I honestly don't think it's for, I think a lot so, of it's for recovery. Yeah, yeah I, agree. I think a lot of it's for recovery. Just Although what, what TJ, what TJ Dillashaw on was not for recovery. I honestly think that uh, that's what saved him in the Cody fight. Oh yeah, the the EPO. Yeah, well, it helps you recover, right? And so it does, well, it, 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 I guess it does help you recover. It, it from what I understand, it, a lot of cyclists use it. Mm-hmm. It's for your it's for your lungs, for your right. stamina, for your lung, but your stamina. You you can basically you can go forever, right? And, th- and that was a big part of his fighting style, right? He would just outpace guys. He could just outpace everybody. Yeah, right. I mean, he could he could just keep moving. The entire fight, like that's how he just beat up like Henan Burrell when he first won the title. Right. He just was like he never stopped moving and throwing combinations at this guy. That's what I've always wondered, like that, like just stylistically, like I would see guys even like as a competitor myself that like would never get tired. Mm-hmm. I'm like Jesus Christ, like I work out just as much as you guys. How are you guys not tired? <laughs> see, then- I, I cannot even relate to it. I'm the I, so what, my whole thing when I was on the mat was that first two minutes either i was winning or i was gonna lose like mm-hmm. if you got me out of that first two minutes i was like you knew, you knew right away i knew right away like, i just for whatever reason i've had always had really bad stamina in every sport i've ever played like I, i'm much more of an explosive athlete than a like a long like a uh long-term distance right. long, you know any of that stuff so I, you know what's interesting when um when i was in high school i had awful awful cardio mm-hmm. and i worked out i worked out all the time i was uh, you know, I try to get in the best shape as possible, but I lived in a, my, both my, my, my mother and my stepfather both smoked in the house. Mm. And as soon as I got out of the house and went to college and started living on my own, my endurance just increased tenfold. Mm. And I think a lot of that, a lot of my problems in high school had to do with that secondhand smoke. That, that's, that's 100% probably a factor. My, my theory on why I'm not my cardio isn't good other than maybe genetics is I actually think I might have like sleep apnea mm. <laughs> and I'm not I getting the right, the right amount of sleep every night because I've slept around people and they go, man, like sometimes it seems like you're like having trouble breathing. I'm like, Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> That's, that can't be good. There's nothing good coming of that. <laughs> but I don't feel like I don't have all the, I like, I do snore, but I don't have all the symptoms. I don't feel tired all the time unless I get like six hours of sleep. Then I feel tired. So, Oh, one of these days I have to get it checked out. But anyway, I digress. Not, I don't want to talk about my sleep apnea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you saw the two fights. Uh, they were. I did. They were, they were I thought fantastic. They, I thought that Gastelum uh, Adesanya. Is that how you say his name? I've always called Israel him. Adesanya. Yeah. Adesanya. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, that might have been one of the best fights I've ever seen. Oh, it's like, great. Like ESPN Plus probably couldn't have asked for two better fights back to back. To sell their their subscription. Oh yeah, if they yeah, if they're looking to sell pay per views through that, that was a that was a fantastic uh, way to start off. I mean, it was it was awesome. I mean, what you what did you think of the fight? Oh, I thought it was great. I mean, 
I was surprised. I thought Israel Adesanya was just going to have his way with Kelvin Gastelum. I, I, I think Kelvin Gastelum's a, a really good fighter, but I just physically, them, the both of them, I just thought Israel Adesanya was just going to destroy him. Um, so I was surprised that Gastelum was able to like stay in the fight and hurt him a few times. But um, yeah, I mean, it was just one of the one of those fights where it was one of the best fights you'll ever see. It was just a back and forth war between two guys that were, um, you know, two of the the best in the world. So I mean. I, I've been really hyped about Adesanya for this past year, and it was it was nice to see him kind of tested. But then also, kind of like that fifth round was just the stuff of like warriors, just the the way he pulled that out. And I remember reading or no listening to him after, and he was basically like, "Yeah, I was willing to die in there." Like he's like, "If I want to be like," he's like, "I was willing to kill that man, and if I'm willing to kill that man, I also have to be ready to die in there." And I was like, "Man, that's fucking crazy." That's a whole other level. Man. <laughs> That's like like I I've never thought in competition like man I'm willing to die nope. for this like, <laughs> nope like that, that's just another level I want to do like right, I right. enjoy the competition I enjoy you know uh, you know physical comp you know I'm uh, you know wrestle wrestling coach right. I enjoy the whole physicality but I'm not willing to die for that shit <laughs> well <laughs> that, that's like, what, and I mean that's why he's a world champion right that's why he's I mean I think there's like different. There's, I have a theory on like different people in MMA. There's like athletes that get into it, right? Mm-hmm. Like just straight athlete. Like they, they just want the competition. But then there's also people that like are legitimately true fighters mm-hmm. that like have that mindset. Like, no, I'm, I will fucking die. Like, well, this is this is I'm here to kill. Like, <laughs> like there's two different like type, types of people I think that get into MMA, and then there's people that have a little combination of both, like well, where they're yeah, amazing think, athletes and I, fighters. I think on that, like I think like a Conor McGregor is mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of both, but tends more on the athlete side. Mm-hmm. Whereas a guy like Khabib is a fighter. Mm. Like Khabib would, I, I think, would be willing to go to to some deep, deep waters. I, well, Khabib's just been. Uh, I mean, he grew up in fucking. Dagestan, Russia, which is a, a rough place to grow up. I mean, there, there's videos of him online. I don't know if have you seen these where his dad has him wrestling like a baby bear. I've 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 heard that. I've never. Oh, seen it's real. Yeah. Oh, it's real. It's him as a little boy wrestling with a ba- like a little bear. I want to know, like, as a like as a dad, when you're like, you know what, he's six. It's time to wrestle the bear. Like what? Like <laughs> but where where do you find the bear? Right. Like, I want to know like how that's like a part of your day. Like, I don't think the words ever, ever will come out of my mouth. Like, you know what, son? Today you're going to rustle a bear. Like, what? That's Khabib is, I mean, he's just been trained from, like, he's lived his life, his entire life to be an athlete, well, to be I, a, a fighter. I, I thought that fight that Connor fought him, his whole game plan didn't make sense to me. Connor's? Yeah. In what way? Uh, It, it looked like he usually he comes out in like the first round or two and he's looking to knock you out mm-hmm. and it looked like he was throttling back and was willing to concede ground to Khabib. And I think he was worried about going deep mm-hmm. with him, which didn't make any sense. Cause once Khabib gets on top of you, he's like a steel blanket. Right. Um, and so I don't know. It, it just, it didn't seem, it he, didn't he seem admitted like, to, he yeah. admitted to that afterwards that he might've had the wrong idea. But I, I, what I think he was trying to do was he was Connors was was very very concerned about the fact that yeah like you said he to go deep in this fight because he we've seen him in fights where he just fades mm-hmm. right like he fades um, 
so I think what he was trying to do was he didn't want to expend a ton of energy to start because he knows he's going to fail. So I think he was just trying to conserve energy and his, so he was kind of laying back and like waiting for Khabib and he was almost conceding to Khabib like the first round or two, hoping that like, okay, now like we'll grapple a little bit, but like nothing will happen. We'll get, we'll both be fresh. Like we'll both, it'll tire us out. And then later on I'll have conserved enough energy where he, when he's a little tired too, to then tend to then knock him out. But yeah, I mean, I agree. He, I think that was a. I think that's a poor multi- coaching. Yeah, that thing that was a very poor tactic. I mean, Khabib doesn't get tired. No. And so it's like, okay, so you're waiting for him to get tired, which doesn't happen. Like, at what point? Like, show me a fight where he got tired. Now, maybe the Alaquinta Al- fight. Alaquinta, yeah. Where it went all five. Like, maybe that showed him something. Like, all right, I have more power. Maybe he thought, well, I have more power than and a better fighter than Al. So mm-hmm. if I could conserve it till the fourth and fifth, but I, I just, I just think that's a, not who you are. Yeah, it, it was one of those things where, yeah, he wasn't fighting to his and, and uh, fighting to his strengths for sure. It, I mean, I think Connor can beat Khabib, but I think that matchup, let's, I would say maybe seventy five percent of the time is going to favor Khabib. Oh yeah, it, I, he's, I, a, he's a horrible matchup. I he's, actually, he's not a great matchup for Connor. No, I actually thought he would do better than he did just because of what Connor did to Chad Mendez, mm-hmm. who I thought was a similar test. You know, like, go out there, you heavy wrestler. Um, yeah. The but, thing about Chad, though, is Chad is more of this kind of, like, explosive takedowns. Yes, much much you know, different. Much whereas different. Khabib is this chain, like, he just needs to grab a hold of you, and then he's just going to fucking chain wrestle you down and then, like, just work his, his jiu-jitsu and sambo. Like, like he he's the type of guy that's just, gr- like, He's that wrestler that like lets you like will tech fault you. <laughs> he yes, and and you don't even know what he did. Right, you're like, like I don't even know what happened here. Like he like just dominates you so much positionally, and like as you're get like as you're getting up, he lets you like kind of like feel like you're getting up and he drag like that's the worst feeling in the world when you're getting up and then the guy drags you right back down. Yeah. You got to work all over again. There's there's nothing more. I, I tell all my young wrestlers that I was like psychologically, there's two things that are going to happen. If you just get taken down right away and you get right back up like nothing happened and you're back in that guy's face. Oh, that's the worst too. <laughs> that guy is like, oh my God, I just took him down and he's not stopping. Why? Mm-hmm. Right? And then the other is if you take a guy down and he tries to get back up, you put him back down. Right. Psychologically, he's like, oh man, this guy's for real. This is, <laughs> I got to tell you, that's so funny because those are the two things that would rattle me right off the bat. <laughs> if I took someone down and they got back up right away, I'd be like, fucking hell. <laughs> like, but oh then, man. Yeah, this guy knows how to wrestle. <laughs> right. But then there was also when I would be trying to get back up and I like worked so hard to get back up and the guy easily takes me down. I'm like, oh my God, I think this guy's playing with me now. Yeah. And <laughs> it's a normal reaction, right? Like you're, right. you're, I mean, what is I mean, wrestling, you know, aside from MMA, it's like you're teaching other people how to hold someone down against their will. Right. And so if that's the, that's what the sport is when you're not able to do that or you're able to do that and not hold them down psychologically mm-hmm. there's big things you have to overcome mm-hmm. and i work with my my wrestlers wrestlers a lot about that just staying in the mindset and, and staying focused you know one thing I, I don't know if your coaches ever did this but i, I i've heard it a lot it's like you need to be mentally tough mm-hmm. you ever heard that before oh yeah all the time and i, I think that's a really wrong a really horrible phrase not mm-hmm. only is it ambiguous right like being yeah what mentally, does that mean mentally right? tough like being mentally tough 
but it it's it the connotations of it means that if you're not mentally tough then you're mentally weak and psychologically that's a huge detriment yeah i agree to young that's such a good point like you're like oh you need to be you need to be mentally tough here and then the kid breaks and then you're just compounding that psychological failure failure on them Mm -hmm. and so what i've started calling it and saying it and coaching and teaching is called you need to be mentally focused Mm. and so when you're mentally focused you know that you're tired you know that this position's here like you're aware of all these things but you're not letting it get to your technique or your positioning you're going to continue to wrestle being mentally unfocused doesn't hurt you as much psychologically as that word weak no that's that's actually a really good point because i i remember thinking like in those positions where you just you lose and you're like i'm just not mentally tough <laughs> like now i'm just weak like that having it be binary like that is really damaging to a young young person for sure and i i've seen so many young kids um who have have a lot of promise and work really hard just i i think just with with phrasing and framing um you know might have been a lot better than they than they could have been mm-hmm. um just you know things just didn't break their way or like they didn't have a coach or, or or someone to help them out in that way and you know i've been doing this for such a long time like i was definitely one of those guys when i first started out like you need me to be mentally tough because that's all i heard as a coach but now mm-hmm. that i'm getting a little bit older and i've been doing it longer i've been able to kind of develop kind of my own philosophy and my own way of thought and like seeing what i could get out of like the best i could get out of my my wrestlers um where they're not just great technical wrestlers but you know, they're, they're great young men and, and, you know, psychologically, you know, they're on, you know, some of the best footing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, little divergence from that, from that. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, it's all, it's all, uh, it, it's all tangential to one another yeah. and the, the, the mindset. I mean, that you, you see it all the time in like MMA fighters, like who, like who can stay focused in, in tough situations and who kind of like Connor kind of like does stay mentally like he, he loses focus occasionally when he's getting pushed into like those deep waters like, oh, yeah, you see for that sure. like did you see the floyd fight oh yeah there was no reason for them to stop the fight other than him thinking i can't go right and so that's one of those things where it's like all right he's probably in his head like oh man here it is again like that's where like i remember and the reason why i, I thought of this like mentally focused thing is I, I i thought about myself like I'm, I'm sure this happened to you and, and any competitor. There'll be times where you'll go up against the wall and like, all right, this is where I start breaking. This is where I start having mm-hmm. problems. Yep. And then you start, that's what you're focusing on. That is what you're, you're thinking. And you're not thinking about the match or the fight or, you know, if you're running distance, you're not thinking right, about right. the task at hand. And so then it's just compounding over and over and over again. And then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, oh, there I go again. I got tired and I lost in the third. I gave up that reversal. You know, right. or, you know, I, you know, I didn't get that last kick in the mile or, you know, whatever. Oh, I'm, I'm down 0-2 and, you know, I swung at a bad pitch again. All those right. things at compounds. And I, I think just framing it differently, um, especially in wrestling, like, all right, you need to stay mentally focused. Um, it allows you to kind of see like, okay, I'm aware that this is happening to me, but I'm not going to let it affect what I'm trying to do. No, that's that's a fantastic point. Like I now that I do CrossFit, there's a lot of times where um, you know, we're asked to do these exercises for you know for time or some sort of competition or whatever, 
And yeah, I mean, I, all the time I'll, I'll hit that wall that everyone knows. Like, you know, everyone has their own wall when they hit it. Mm-hmm. And I hit that wall and it's like, all right, this is when like you kind of fucking break down. And then, and then you're like, oh, well, yep, I am getting tired. Oh, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. You know what? Okay. Like this is when you always quit. Okay. Yep. You're going to quit now. Okay. Now we're done. Like, right. it's just like, and it, yeah, but that, but that, that, instead of like focusing on like, okay, just, you know, do this next, do the next, um, lift, do the next, uh, you know, set of this workout, pick up the ball, pick up the weight, whatever. Instead of like, just, okay, here's the next movement. Instead of thinking of that, you're like, okay, I've hit my wall. Yep. All this right. is when I'm trying, this is when I got to go. Like, this is when I go, this is me. This is how I am. I fall apart at this point. Yeah. Get me to this point. That's, you see that all the time and. In all sorts of athletic endeavors, for sure. I, I think, you have especially right. indiv- more so individual ones, like team ones. If you have some, like, if you have a guy that's really mentally strong on the team, he can kind of rally every uh, someone, you know, rally the team. But when it's individual, that's when it's. I mean, it, that's when it's all all on you, and it, it's tough to get someone like to rally. Yeah, you you can hide a lot too when you're on a team, team sports. Yeah. yeah, you can hide you can hide the the weak player. Yeah. I mean, and it's one of those, it's one of those things, team sports. I, you know, I played baseball and, and soccer and all that stuff. And I, I just always, two things I hated more than anything in, in the team sports was that one, if I did everything I possibly could and we still lost, that would fucking infuriate me. Mm-hmm. And then conversely, if I did absolutely nothing and rode the bench and we won, I would feel absolutely useless. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing that agitates me more than watching like, the NCAA bas- college basketball and like seeing the whole bench erupt. And I'm like, you guys did nothing. You still yeah. have your warmups. I don't even know if you have a Jersey. Right. And then I, like, I guess like, I get the team thing, but like I, I just, for me personally, it's like, I would feel bad. Like I didn't contribute to this. And you know, that was the one thing I think why I gravitated towards wrestling where it's like, all right, as long as I take care of my shit, the team's going to be all right. I mean, I see the benefit to both team, you know, team sports is obviously, crosses over to the real workplace you know oh, it's sure. basically a team um but yeah i mean the, the individual sport there is there's an individual sports bring out the the true self in terms mm-hmm. of um when the chips are down for sure like what kind of person are and the thing is like i was discussing this with um chris Satello, who was on my last show um we were discussing about the appeal of superheroes right and how like this is ideally how we would react in tough situations Mm. um but like fact of the matter is like in tough situations that you know superheroes face or any any you know anywhere any situation where it could be like dire like you there's an ideal way of okay i would be a hero and i would do this but i would say like most of the time you'd probably fuck up (laughs) like you'd you'd, you'd be (laughs) mentally like physically or more so even just mentally you'd be like i can't do it like i'd quit like this it's i can't like for sure you know, like spot on on that one, but it, you know, individual sports kind of bring that out like that, that element of like, okay, this is now a tough situation. You, there's no one's going to bail you out. You got to get out of this. Right. And like, do you quit or like, do you keep going? That's, that's really um, interesting that you guys had the parallel to the superheroes. I never thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just, it's just putting yourself in that mental, I mean, physically it's always, it's going to be tough. Like any, but like mentally, like you get to the, like, again, that wall. And then what's re- what's rewarding is, okay, maybe like you hit that wall, but you went just a little further. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. you know, like to, to the outsider, they're like, ah, he still kind of sucked. But uh, in, in your head, you're like, but I went a little further. Like, that's, that's the name of the game. Uh, you know, everyone has a, everyone has a wall um, 
that you're going to get to. And you're never going to break through that wall. I always mm-hmm. tell my kids, you're not, you're never going to break through that wall. You're not the Kool-Aid man. Mm-hmm. Like, your job is to push that wall just a little bit further back. Mm-hmm. So the next time it takes you further to get there. And then eventually, right, what you're going to do is it's going to be so far back where it, it's not going to matter anymore. Mm-hmm. And that takes years and years and years, you know, and a lot of, you know, understanding who you are and psychological stuff and being on top of your game. But you never like you're not going to just wake up one day and just be like, now I can do now. I just don't get tired. Now I don't get scared. <laughs> right. Now I don't get, you know, like now I, I, I don't ever lose focus like that never happens. That's unrealistic. And, you know, I, I, I really wish more athletes talked about that, especially high level athletes. You know, oh, they, one, that's a, one athlete that I think does a really good job at, I think Ben Askren talks about it a lot, mm-hmm. less in fighting and more in kind of wrestling in the wrestling realm. Mm-hmm. Um, George, you know, I, I obviously, I'm, I'm a big time into wrestling and fighting, so that's what I follow. Um, so I, I just, I don't know any other, like, I, I don't see any football players coming out and saying that. You don't see a ton of football players, but the thing about fighters, like I listened to, recently I listened to Dustin Poirier. He was on the... Theo Vaughn's podcast okay. right after they won, he won the title. Oh, that was a great fight, too. Great fight. Um, Dustin Poirier is a hell of a fight. Like, his journey has been amazing to watch. Um, but he, he admitted, he's like, yeah, man, like, I still get fucking scared as hell to come out there and like fight. Like, I, I'm still scared. Like, I'm still in my head, but I just stay focused. And like, I, I realize this is the task at hand. And I have to go out there and I have to do like, I, I have to stay. I just have to remember the techniques that I've been taught. Like I'm still fucking scared. And I, you still, you get like a lot of, I've seen a lot of fighters more so than like any other athletes admit that they're scared to walk out there. Like they're scared to make that walk. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how you could not be. You have to be. I mean like, and the thing, but like the, the, the thing that like it, I admire about it and is that they, not only that they admit it, but like, I think they admit it because they have nothing to prove. Oh, for sure. They're fighting. For <laughs> like, sure. They're fighting in front of millions of people. Like this this is the most badass thing you could be doing in 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 the world right there's, now. They're doing it. Yeah, there's I no mean other thing. than, you know, defending your country in the military, but like in terms of athletic endeavors. Yes. This is there there's nothing to prove. So you like yeah, I am badass, but I mean, you know what? I can then being that badass can make you admit, "Yes, I'm fucking scared." Yeah, there's there's nothing to be vulnerable about because you showed right. the whole world. Like you're, you're, you're as vulnerable as it gets. You're, you're yeah. out there with another person trying to knock you out and you're half naked in front of millions of people. Right. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's so crazy, man. Just thinking <laughs> about that. Like, so right before I met my, did I, did I talk about this last time? I, I fought, oh, fought before. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so right before I met my wife, I fought and then I was at kind of like this weird, crop. you won, right? No, 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 no. Oh, you lost. Oh yeah. You didn't you know told that. that story. I forgot. Yeah, I lost. It ended up a, a loss. Yeah, I uh, tell that again. <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, um, long, very long story short, um, I, I'm not trained to be a fighter whatsoever. Um, there is a, a pretty big gym in the Illinois Schaumburg area, and I would go in and uh, wrestle with some of the fighters, and so I knew all those guys. And there was a promotion uh, coming up, and I got a phone call on like a Thursday at like 11 o'clock at night. And um, it's one of the guys I know. Uh, he's the promoter. And he's like, hey, I had like two guys back out. I need someone to fight or I can't do the show. Can you make weight and fight a guy tomorrow? And I'm like, yeah, I'll fight a guy. I don't care. And this was mm-hmm. like when I was like 23. Stupid. 
Like, why would I looking back? I'm like, Oh my God, there's so much that could have happened. Right. Um, I'm like, yeah, I'll fight a guy. Yeah, sure. Whatever. And so, um, he called them back. Um, the, the fight was supposed to be at like 150, I think, or, or 45, maybe. I'm not sure. Um, but anyways, it was a catch, a catch weight fight. He agreed to like move five pounds up or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, yeah, I can make the weight. And I ended up, um, having, I went to the gym right after that, after I hung up, uh, and got on the scale and I was 15 pounds over. Oh God. And so I had to lose 15 pounds and I think 14 hours Jesus uh, or something like that. Something crazy like that. Um, all, all water weight. Yeah, it was, yeah. um, so it was just working out. Like I, I think I, I worked out then went home, slept, workout again, slept, workout, slept, worked out, slept, rinse and repeat until I made the weight. Um, and so I got in there and fought, um, and all I did was, I didn't know anything. I've never trained jujitsu. I've never thrown a punch in my life. All I knew how to do was wrestle. Um, so I just took him down and then like in the first five seconds and just laid on top of him, <laughs> and like nothing happened. So like, I'm like throwing like little fists or whatever, like nothing damaging. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was exhausted after that, like literally exhausted. I mean, you had your adrenaline dump probably even before the fight oh yeah happened. i was exhausted was and you were cutting all that weight so that yeah. that, that compounds that like it was it was i was literally all the all the things that you could do wrong leading yes, up to a fight. yeah so i was i was exhausted um second round happened and it, we got in like a wild exchange he like in that first round like he swept me after that and then like mm-hmm. i tried to like triangle choke him with my legs <laughs> but i've never done it before so he didn't have an arm in so i was just squeezing his head <laughs> with my legs and then uh, like I'm kind of, I'm, I, I know how to scramble. So we got into a scramble. Um, I got back on top of them and that was like the end of the round, nice. uh, but it was like a big flurry and, uh, people liked it. I get they're screaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, it was, it was cool. It was fun to go out there. And then the second round, I did the same thing. I just walked right up to him and shot another double leg. Uh, and I picked him up and I didn't know at the time that when a guy like has a guillotine cinched up, you don't try to slam. Him. Don't slam him. Yeah. And I did that. Just makes it tighter. Yeah. And so then I, I, and I tapped immediately and it, I was not in any danger of going out, but I just remember thinking like, I don't want like my friends and family were there. I don't want to like be unconscious. Yeah. I want them to be like, okay, I'm fine. Like nothing happened. It's all good. Yeah. And so I tapped probably way too quick. Jeez. Um, and so that was the end of it. But that was my one and only, I'm all in one. And was that uh, a pro or an amateur fight? I, I thought it was a pro fight, but wow! But they lied about my record too. <laughs> they said I was like two and zero oh in Iowa to get it sanctioned. <laughs> it's shady, man. Yeah, These fight promoters. Yeah, so so there was that. Um, but little little side story. So uh, yep. uh, I'm you know my day job. I'm uh, I'm a teacher, and there's nothing that my kids love more than to Google me. Really? And they love to find the fact that I'm 0-1 in MMA, and they have the guy's name, and his name is Daniel Black. Mm-hmm. And some of my more uh, uh, smart-ass students that I had, like, from the years before, on the day of the fight this year, so I, 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 I taught some juniors, they're seniors now, so the, I fought, like, in September or something. They came with a cake and said, Happy Daniel Black Day. Oh, that God. was the guy's name. <laughs> to celebrate me getting choked out wow kids are fucking mean 
I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, That's awesome. The fact that they 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 took the time to do that and stuff. It was. I mean, the kids are creative for sure. Yeah. Give them I mean, that. I mean, they they just you know to needle their teacher in any ways is. That's that's got to be everything for a kid. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, I take it with a grain of salt. I mean, the fact that they even it was a pro fight. It looks like I can Google you right now and I can see that your record and who you fought, Daniel Black. Yeah, Daniel Black is uh, according to this database, the underground. He's thirteen and thirteen. Ooh, not good. No, better record than great. Better record than you barely. I mean, if you get one win, yeah, we're right. You guys are you're right there. You know, my my wife used to joke around. I was like. I don't know if I can marry you 0-1. You might have to do one more. And I was like, what if I'm 0-2? She was like, you got to just keep going. I was like, yeah, that's, that's not happy. But you know, at, at least you said you can say you did it. Yes, yes, that and is. And I think, well, you know what helped? I mean, this is just me armchair quarterbacking, but I think it helped that you didn't have a lot of time to think about it. Oh, yeah, for sure. You literally just were like, got off the phone. Okay, I got it. Like, the, the next thing I had to focus on is getting this weight off. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I did not know I was that much heavier. I, would, I don't think I would have agreed to it. If mm-hmm. I knew I was 15 pounds over, but I was literally right before that I had, I cooked pancakes for dinner because I was poor. Mm-hmm. So I had pancakes and then I was smoking a cigar. <laughs> Did they pay you? Yeah, they paid me. Not much. That's good. Just, yeah. you know, barely anything. I, right. I would not have said yes to the same amount today. <laughs> <laughs> has, has people Googled you and then listened to, the, to you on our podcast? People have. Yeah. Actually, uh, one of my bosses came up and was like, after I got hired, and he was like, I heard your podcast. And I was like, I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> I don't think you said anything too bad there. No, no I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> but, you're uh, promoting your book. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think the, you know, being able to Google you, you know, and especially when you're, you know, kind of in the, in the public domain is mm-hmm. a little, a little dicey. Scary. I gotta, yeah. I gotta be really, really cognizant of my, uh, my internet footprint. Yeah, that's a, that's the reason why I haven't ever really put out my last name mm-hmm. on these shows. But although, like now that you can, you can find me on Facebook, right? Like, there, there's a lot of like fans that are in our group that can they know my last name. But yeah, I don't really. I I try to like keep a, a smaller footprint, but it, I mean, shit, man. There's not, tens of thousands of hours of my voice, on right? There. <laughs> so I was like, eh, whatever. I mean, it is what it is. This is a, this is a passion of mine, so. Yeah, you guys I'm just going to enjoy awesome. doing this. Doing a great job. Who uh, who do you like to watch in the in the UFC? Uh, well, I'm I'm biased towards wrestlers. Yeah. Just in general, like the did you see the Robbie Lawler Askren fight? I did. So Askren's got to be one of your boys. Oh yeah, I actually I uh, he actually did a clinic for uh, one of the clubs I was associated with way back in the day, but I, unfortunately really? I couldn't make it there. So a lot of the guys, I think Jimmy met him. He might have been there. Jimmy, Jimmy McPike might yeah. have been there. He, it was it was around that same time when I was coaching Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, uh, I like a lot of the wrestlers on. What did you think of that fight with him and Robbie? Did you, did you thought, think they should have run I mean, that back? I don't think they should run it back. No, I thought I thought he was out. Yeah, you know, his arm did go limp. I'll, I I give you that. Like his arm went. Like there there was something up the way his arm went. I've just never seen anyone instantly react the way Robbie did. Right when he was out, um, have you listened to Herb Dean's? Uh, he was on the Rogan podcast and he kind of went over it. Yeah, I didn't even think about what Herb Dean was saying about that the spinal injury. Yeah, that I was like, oh, like that. You're right. Like that is a tough choke on the spine. You know what? What what I think could have happened and is 
a lot of times when, when you're in kind of those situations, mm-hmm. Askren has a death grip. He could squeeze two watermelons. I saw, I've seen that. He squeezes two watermelons and busts yeah. them open. So he has it around your neck. There is a, I think there's a possibility that he has that and he's out, but it, he lets go because her brushes in, he lets yep. go and you snap back. That's what Ben says is that he was out. He could feel him go out. And once he saw her brushing in, he tightened, he just loosened it just enough so that when he finally let go, Robbie was back. Yeah. And, and if, if you're Robbie, I mean, if Robbie goes out for a, a half a second, like he's not going to know he went out half a second. Right. For sure. So I, I think it's entirely plausible that he had him out for a half second and he just he came back right away. And I, I think it's good just because of how explosive and crazy that fight was. I mean, Ben Askren got spiked on his head. He got the, I mean, he got he, he looked like he was he lost the fight. Yeah, he got spiked <laughs> on, on his that. head, got bombs thrown at him, and then somehow found a way to give a guy a noogie. Like <laughs> so if you run it back, that isn't going to happen again. No, that that fight. There's, I mean, the, the the chances of that fight being as exciting for the what minute and a half that it went, or two minutes, are pretty. Low. I mean, I like, I respect Ben Askren's style. He's, you're not going to get a ton of exciting fights with Ben Askren. No, Ben Askren is like some variation of Khabib, like yeah, a less, ex- less exciting a, version of him. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. I think maybe even maybe a little bit more technical version of Khabib. Like Khabib yeah. is like a mauler. Ben is also a mauler, but like he has that weird, that funky wrestling style where he just needs to get you. Like he just needs to put his hands on you. Yeah, and that's. And I the, mean, that's that's got it. He's willing to take like bombs to the face to grab <laughs> you. Which, God bless you, man. <laughs> do you do you think? Um, where, how far do you think he goes in the UFC? Ah. Uh, I, I think he's a bad style matchup for a lot of these guys who just want to punch him in the face. Right. Like Jorge Masvidal is like, I just want to like shut him up. Break off. his face. Yeah. And I, I think Ben does that to his advantage. Like, I think he understands much like Connor does the psychological aspects of it. Yeah. If I can just get these guys this angry at me, they're going to, they're, they're going to lose focus for just enough that I can get my hands. And on. then you have to expend so much energy to try to knock someone out. Like, like they're not going to go in there and be technical. They're going to go in there and like, all right, he's not going to defend me. So I'm just going to swing for the fences. Well, that takes a lot of energy out of you. Extrapolate that with Ben on top of you. It's like a blanket. And now you're exhausted. And that's how you end up in bulldog chokes in 30 seconds. <laughs> the only thing I'd say is I think Ben might like if Usman is the still the champ when Ben, if Ben gets to that point, I think Usman's a tough fight for him. Really? Yeah, I do. I think I th- well, Usman's also a really good wrestler, Marty right. from Nebraska. Right, right, um, for sure. I think he's a really. Good, I mean, he's not at the level of Ben Askren for sure, but you don't need to be that level in the UFC to to t- defend takedowns. You know, you know who I would want to. I, I don't know enough about like. I haven't seen a ton of Marty Usman other than the what Marty. Say? I like that you're calling him Marty now. Yeah, well, I mean, you did. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I haven't seen enough about from from Usman to like have a. I wasn't a, he wasn't hugely on my radar just mm-hmm. because I don't think he had a ton of big fights. Like they didn't push him that, that much. No, they, they only recently started pushing him. And so, um, I didn't have a big, I, I thought his best fight that I saw with him was obviously the Woodley fight. Cause I'm a big Woodley fan. Um, yeah, he destroyed Woodley. <clears throat> oh, he, he made Woodley 
I think he broke Woodley. Like it was one of those things where Woodley was like, "Oh, this is what it's going to be." Like, I, I don't yeah, know. No, was, I, I, yeah, that's. I definitely agree. like. I think, I think he did break Woodley. Like I think Woodley was in there, like thinking, you know, I'm just going to do my like Woodley's whole style is he. So Woodley also is one of those guys that's very cognizant of the fact that he gets tired. Mm-hmm. So he just backs up, backs up, and but he he's also very aware of the fact that he's got that fast twitch where he can just cover ground so oh, yeah. quickly with a, yeah. with a huge double or a big right hand. Right. So he, he doesn't need a ton. He doesn't, all he needs is like one mistake and he's got you. Right. But yeah, Usman just put that grind on him. So I, I would, fight. I would like to see like Ben's not afraid of that. No, so Ben's definitely not afraid of the grind. So I don't know. That would be an interesting one. The one I think that would be actually the worst matchup for Ben Askren would be Damian Maya. Yeah, that'd be a tough one. It was all, like, all right, Ben, you want to be taken down, and this guy wants to be taken down. Right. Let's see what that is, looks like. And I mean, Damian Maya is one of the best, right? I, I think I think in the world. I think everyone keeps putting Ben against strikers, and over and over again, we see what happens. He takes him down, and he either chokes him unconscious or beats him up. I would like to see if someone like wants to be where Ben wants to put him. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's really intriguing to me. Now, I don't know if the powers of B would want that chess match because it's not, you know, for the average viewer that doesn't sell tickets. Yeah. But I mean, I think that's a, a really interesting thing. And I, I think that's very similar to what you said with Usman. Like, Usman wants to do that too. I mean, Usman wants to get in that grind with you, but he's also like very, um, I think he's more athletic than Ben is. Oh, everyone is. <laughs> Actually, you're right. Everyone is more athletic. I, I, say, than that, I say that in all do just because he's an yeah, Olympian. Like, right. You look at him and he looks like, you know. <laughs> guy from, he doesn't, he, he's got a dad bod going on yeah, almost. I respect Ben a lot. <laughs> I say that in just. But I mean, was, I think just Usman is just a, a very, and also, I mean, he's a Division II. Um, let's see, I'm looking at his stuff right I now. He's a, I think he's a national championship. He won a national championship yeah. in Division II wrestling. So, I mean, he's not, he's not too shabby. Oh no, no. Um, he's 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 a legit wrestler for sure. Right. And you know, and I think he can I think he can put it together a little better in terms of striking. It'd be an interesting fight for sure. Yeah, I, I, I think that I, I just don't know how many like if Ben beats Masvidal, then then does he get Usman? Like, well, I think they're gonna do Usman and Colby Covington. Yeah. Um I hate Colby Covington, by the way. I I don't hate him. I just really dislike the way he goes about trying to get famous. I I think he's just trolling like he's, he's you no know, that's what he's, he's exactly that's exactly what he's doing i just think it's so fucking cheap oh yeah it's 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 someone who doesn't have charisma himself so he's created an image right to do it for him yeah that's the thing like you watch him like if you watch him when he's not in his like act like if he's trying to like even if you watch him in his act it's so cringeworthy because you know that this isn't really this guy right like he, you can like he's not like a Connor or a Con or even like a Ben a- like Ben Askren has created an image for himself, but you can also see like he's kind of a goofball like mm-hmm. prick. Like he can be a little bit of a prick. Like he can he can ruffle some feathers. This is just kind of how the guy is. He's just kind of that 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 silly dad kind of feel. Whereas Colby is just trying so hard to project this image of being this this you know red blooded American that. Throws nerds in like the locker, like throws nerds and shoves them in the toilets and stuff like that. And it's just like, and but you're not, you're not that guy, right? Like you're, 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 you really are just a quiet dude that wants to like fight, right? Right, for sure. I don't and know. It just rubs me the wrong I, way. I, you know what? I, 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 I hate inauthent- in on in authenticity. 
Yeah, I, I mean, he oozes that. Yeah, and he yeah, he it comes out of him so much. And it's it's uh, I saw him I actually um, I think I saw him fight. Yeah, I did see him fight when uh, he was at the United Center, where mm-hmm. he beat uh, where he got. Oh, his, you went to that one? Yeah, where he got his interim belt. Mm-hmm. Um, when he beat uh, Dos, Dos Anjos, yeah. I mean, it's, he knows how to fight. I mean, that's he's not a bad fighter. No, he's good. Yeah. Like he's his fighting could speak for itself, but. I mean, you know, props to him. He has created enough of a um, noise around him where people talk about him. I mean, I wouldn't be talking about him yeah, otherwise. The, I think it's like the Kale Sonnen, Conor McGregor effect. Like but Kale, that's the thing. Kale Sonnen was also like, his shit was funny. <laughs> like, I found it entertaining because like, he, he legitimately has charisma. Well, so he could pull it off. Yeah, he, I mean, all of that, what, what, what Chael's doing is all fabricated as well. Oh yeah. But he had, I think a little bit more decorum and where he did. And he also knew, I think he has a little bit better sense of humor. Yes. 100%. Like he could, he could straddle a line a lot better than like, for instance, the, the two things that make, make always make me laugh. Like Chael would, would make fun of Brazilians too. Like he'd make fun of the fact he, he would poke fun at being like the Brazilians. Cause he was had that rivalry with Anderson. Whereas, like Colby, like goes into Brazil and goes, "This place is a dump. Every all you guys are filthy rats." Yeah, right? like yeah, and there's nothing funny about but it. There's nothing funny about that, right? Like it's just like, dude, this is stupid. I, I, Whereas Chael, yeah. I always remember he tells this story where he's like, I, there, I, "I heard a story that the Nogueira brothers, when they first came to America one time, they were they got out of the the airport or something." I'm like paraphrasing. He's like, "They got out of the airport, and a bus pulls up, and Nogueira Antonio looks at the bus." And notices this bus, and and all of a sudden he digs into his his bag and he pulls out a carrot, and he starts giving the carrot to the bus. This man hadn't seen buses before. He was trying to feed a carrot to this bus. Right, like that's <laughs> like, funny. like that's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's like oh, man, it is kind of backwoods. Like got a tinge of like oh, but it's it's also like it, it's that's, that's that funny. Line. The it's, guy's feeding a carrot to yeah, the bus. Like there's a line there, and he kind of <laughs> yeah. goes right up to it. Right, where Kobe's just like I'm just gonna go. Yeah, Colby's just like, oh, I'm going to wear this MAGA hat and I'm going to just incense people just because this is what, like, I'm going to post on Twitter the spoilers to Star Wars and, and Infinity War. It's like, dude, you're just trying too hard, man. Stop. Just stop. Yeah, yeah I just, I really think he just saw, like, the, the Sonnen or the McGregor blueprint. Oh, yeah, 100%. And he was like, I can't do that, so let me just go as far into that direction as possible yeah let me just lean so far into it that i'm just like everyone's just gonna i had something that i have to be talked about because i'm just ta- i'm saying the most absurd shit right and, and then, you, sh- you should watch some of his videos he, he like will hire these like like d-grade models and be like <laughs> taking showers with them and be like hey i'm gonna fuck this girl now what? or whatever yeah oh, see, i don't pay bad. enough attention to kobe coming in like i I, think I shouldn't be paying attention to him, but I've he's, seen he's, some of that He's stuff. dragged you in, man. He got you. You got got. <laughs> Are you going to go to the next UFC here in Chicago? Uh, I'm actually not. I'm actually going to be fishing uh, that uh, weekend, but I'm actually going to go to the Bellator one. Oh, yeah, the Bellator one. Yeah, uh, yeah hit me up. I might be at the Bellator one. Oh, nice. One. Sure. Yeah. I'd love to meet up. Yeah, I'll be at I'll def- the Bellator one. Bellator's. I've been to... Actually, I haven't been to Bellator yet. I used to... I been went to the couple Strike Force ones that were in Chicago. Oh, nice. But I mean, they're all fun. Yeah, uh, that was the first UFC I've ever been to. Was the one in the United Center last year? Oh yeah. Um, you, how would you think of it? I, I, I liked it a lot. Um, I didn't realize the crowd it was going to like draw. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Uh, a lot of a lot of drunken meatheads. 
Yeah. You know, and yeah. A lot of idiots. Um, yeah. That's yeah. I was going to say idiots, but, <laughs> um, and it was just, it was like, I got two beers poured on me from guys just being dumb. Oh man. That's and, uh, is it like, it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, like I get it. Like this is like Uber testosterone, like to the max, but don't be like, don't be rude. So like there was, there was that. Um, but besides that, uh, I thought like our, our tickets were okay. Um, uh, and the fighting was great. Like it was a cool experience. I would love to see one in Vegas. I couldn't imagine what, what, oh, be like. so I've been, so I've been to probably nine or 10 of these. Oh, maybe wow. More. I've been to four in Vegas. I'm sure those are just madness. They're awesome. I mean, but you do, I mean, you still do get, I remember I went to one with my mom and some drunk How'd idiot you? spilled beer on my mom. Oh, man. <laughs> that she was not happy. No. She, he, she had him kicked out. Um, but I mean, it's the same type of crowd. It, the, the Vegas ones are interesting because you get like, you get these people that are really glammed up and go there and then you get like the drunk meatheads and then you get like, nerdy dudes too you like you get like a comic book convention crowd too that like there's there's a subset that like really is nerdy and loves mma yeah so it's just like weird mix i always enjoy the events live um did you did you end up going and seeing like the first fight yeah i mean yeah we were there so i was gonna say so that's the thing you don't realize about these fights is they go like seven hours yeah they're long (laughs) you're there all day you go you get there like the prelims start at three and then you're probably there till 10, 11, 12 o'clock. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like, it's a long, and I don't like. I don't remember where they when they stop serving booze. That's another problem. Yeah, they serve. They they just serve booze the entire time. It's a it's a it's not it's a weird mix of sport and meathead testosterone. Yeah, I was not I was not prepared because like everyone that I watch MMA with is like me, mm-hmm. right? Like either my wrestling fans or like my brother in law and just like sports fans or fight fans that aren't like too over the top meatheadish and uh like to see like legit hardcore like <laughs> just <idiots>. dummies yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, was, um, yeah I was like just big giant dummies I was, I was just i was really taken aback by it <laughs> yeah. i mean that it, it that, i mean that's that's who the like this trash talk culture really appeals to is yeah, like like that sure. that I mean, you know, and and I can't be above it. I actually do enjoy the trash talk occasionally. Like when when John, like Conor McGregor's funny as shit. Like, and I, but I agree. Like his his trash talk lately with Khabib's been a a little too much, Mm -hmm. a bit over the line. But like when you have two guys, for instance, John Jones and Daniel Cormier, have you've seen their fights, right? But you can tell that they genuinely just do not like each other. And the reason they don't like each other, and, and a big part of why they don't like each other, is both of them want to be the best. Oh yeah, and so like that that appeals to me. The the what John Jones said to Daniel Cormier after the before their second fight, you could just when he says yeah, and I beat you after doing cocaine, oh, or like yeah. whatever, like however yep. he said it. Yep, yep. When you see Cormier hear that, you see part of his soul gets snatched from him. Yeah, like. Like oh my god, I'm living the right way, and this guy's an asshole, and he's so better than me. <laughs> like, there's something. There was just something so cold blooded about that. Oh, the, the, whenever they interact, like, any around anyone else, Cormier is like, you know, he talks a little trash, but he's pretty respectful. He's pretty much like above it. Whenever for whatever reason, John Jones will just say one thing, and Cormier, you can see like Cormier gets so mad that he just wants to say the meanest fucking thing to him back, like back. 
Like he he was. <laughs> I remember that that was that same conference. He's like, "What are you going to do now? Um, like, how are you going to fuck up again? Are you going to sandblast prostitutes?" <laughs> <laughs> And John awesome. Jones was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and and, and the Cormier even drops the N word on him. Cormier is like, "Real?" Or Jones is like, "Really? Really? Really?" Like, like they're like it. It's just what like it reminds me of when you get so blood red angry at someone that you just say the meanest thing that comes to your mind right. first. That's that's exactly what they what. And John Jones like always is like a little like he's always like not as emotionally invested as Cormier is. Right. So like. It's just so, it, like you can just tell he's just poking him, poking him, poking him. Well, I, I I thought that second fight too. Well, the first the first fight a little bit, but the second fight for sure. Um, I thought Cormier was just mentally John Jones. John Jones had the edge on him. You think so? Just like psychologically, mentally, like it means more for Daniel Cormier to beat John Jones and John Jones. Yeah, to beat that that I'll agree with. I was gonna I would say that second fight. I actually was impressed with Cormier. I thought he was really in that fight. I think just Jones was just better. So here, here's something that I, I think is really interesting um, about John Jones that no one really talks a lot about, and I had a lot of time. I've been thinking about it a lot lately. So John Jones told Daniel Cormier exactly how he was going to finish him, that he mm-hmm. was going to kick him in the head with a left head kick, mm-hmm. right? And he did that. Mm-hmm. And all of John Jones' fights are very, um, like he has a, a, almost like a perfect game plan and he really systematically beats guys, beats guys down, right? He mm-hmm. takes away their best he, he breaks a Yeah, he breaks you down. The one fight we didn't see that was the OSP fight. And mm-hmm. I think that fight in particular shows what John Jones is the best at and why he's better than everyone. I think he has an uncanny ability to process information and patterns mm-hmm. and then implement it in real time. And because yeah. he had no data on OSP, he looked the way he did. That's that's a great point. I think well I, I think there's a couple things. I think John like you said that that's a fantastic point. I think John Jones, him and his team are inter like the way they all work together in his mind, I think he's the best at like you said, mentally processing everything and putting it into into real time execution. Like I think he's the best at game planning for sure. Uh, uh, without a doubt, hands down. Just I just think watch, he, I mean we watch any of his fights like he just does things that you would never expect, and it's right. and it's almost like he just knows that per- he knows that person better than they know. Themselves. Yeah, exactly. Like he he's great at game planning. Um, his physical gifts. I mean, he's six four and has an eighty four inch reach or whatever. That right. you know, he's he's just physically very very gifted in comparison to all the other fighters in his division. Um, but I think all, along with those two things, and we were talking about you know hitting that wall and. You know, in that first, did you see him fight Gustafsson the first time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, he was mentally put in a place where a lot of people would break, you know, like you're the favorite, and all of a sudden this guy takes you down in the first round. Right. And he's busting you up on the feet. But I think what makes John Jones so great um, is the fact that he's mentally, like, he's, the, like, he stays focused. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's, he doesn't wither. Like, when, when things get tough, he just goes back to, okay, like, this is the, this is the plan. This is the game plan. This is what I have to do. These are the adjustments I have to make. I'm, he's always there mentally in the fight. Like he, he doesn't get tired. Which, which I think you know, bring this full circle back to the Adesanya fight. I think that's what he showed. That why he's probably that next great fighter in yeah. that Gaslam fight because he hit some big adversity. 
and like to come out in that fifth round and because I, I thought personally that it was anyone's fight going into the fifth round. I would agree. Yeah. And whoever won that fifth round was probably going to win the fight. And not only did he win the first, the fifth round, but he put like a stamp on it. Yeah, he did. And I think what, he, he he also has the same ability as John in that he can adjust on the fly very quickly and make make those reads and then execute it. Yeah, he's a little bit more raw than John. Yeah, like in like he doesn't have the wrestling background, and I'm not saying no. wrestling. Um, you know, no, he definitely doesn't have. He the doesn't background. have that wrestling background, but. He has he has a much better striking background. Was than liter- John that ever was had. literally what uh, I was going to say. Now. Oh, sorry, take, no, but sorry no, to steal your thunder. No, no, no. I think that's great because we're seeing the same thing. You know, right? Um, it's it's like uh, he's got levels of kickboxing right. in, in his background that have that John's never had. And, and but John, one thing you know, going back to what John does, John is willing to improvise, like do mm-hmm. things that aren't ex- actual like traditional technique, right? Whereas Edison is a little bit more fundamental or technical. He's funny. Yeah, he's. I mean, he'll try some things, but it's all like yeah, it's all within his his level of technique. I think knows. the way Gaslam fought him really threw him off those first few rounds. Oh, you th- oh well, Gaslam came out. So, if do you, I don't. Since seeing as you're a big MMA fan, you, I'll recommend a podcast to you if you're not already listening to it. Heavy Hands podcast. Okay, I'm not you listening sh- to it. So they do. A fantastic! It comes out every Wednesday, and they break down fights. They don't talk about like the the trash talk, or they literally just break down the fight for what it is, what the style matchup is, what's going to work, what might not work, and then analyze. You know, break it down before, and then talk about it after. So that's a really good podcast. But um, so that's where I get a lot of my knowledge because they're super smart guys. Um, but I, what Gaslam did really well um, was he just kind of came out and he showed just a, a little bit of a different look to Adesanya, like. Gaslam is a pretty um, pretty rote striker. He's basically just, as they described him on the podcast, he's just basically got a really quick one-two, like really fast hands, and he's fucking tough. But that takes you did, far. Which takes <laughs> you really far. I mean, it takes you to a, a, yeah, a interim title, title shot. Um, but what he did to Gas or to Adesanya that kind of threw him off is he just showed like a little bit some technique that he hadn't shown in previous fights. Like he just showed, he just made a couple adjustments that Asanya was like, "Oh, what the fuck! Like, mm-hmm. this isn't the guy I've been studying for, right? You know, fifteen fights. This is some, you know, however many fights Gaslam's had. Yeah, that's so that, I mean that, and then that along with being just fucking like a little bit unconventional, like not being like this classically trained kickboxer, kind of just threw Asanya off. Yeah, I was also really interested why uh, Gaslam didn't rely on his takedowns more or his grappling. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he tried it a little bit. I just don't think. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why he doesn't use his wrestling a little more. It was it was interesting to me in that fight, particularly because I thought uh, that was one area where uh, Edesanya had a question mark. You know, I mean, he still has that question mark for sure. I think I think he can yeah, be he taken down. He almost triangled him too, didn't he, Edesanya? That's the thing, though. Is Adesanya <laughs> yeah. like that's the thing? Is Adesanya such a quick learner already? Like. He almost triangled Gaslam, and he had him in a guillotine, like in yeah. one point two. So it's like, oh man, this guy's—you give Adesanya another year or two of training, and like, oh god, where's he going to be? I think, uh, I think the scariest person for him is Yoel Romero. Fraud. Oh man, I mean, Yoel Romero is a fucking freak of nature. I thought, I thought he, I was there when he fought Rudiker, and I thought, I thought he, I thought he won that yeah. fight too. And I think if he made weight, if it wasn't a uh, 
like a exhibition match technically, mm-hmm. I think he gets the nod. Yeah, I mean, I think that that has to be a factor if you're a judge. You're like, but this guy fucking miss weight, and if he wins, this is gonna fuck up this entire thing. Oh yeah, I mean, it. I, I thought he beat Whitaker. I no, I thought so too. I mean, I I thought Whitaker. I mean, it was one of the best fights I've ever seen. Another great fight for sure. But um, I mean, that's a hell of a first fight to see live. Yeah, it was <laughs> a awesome. main event to see live. But I thought Whitaker did a really good job of just staying in the fight and like being there and like accumulating um damage on Yoel, but. I mean, if you look at, like, he rocked Whitaker three times, I think, in that, like, ha- like if you, this, I agree, I understand this is a sport, but as Rogan puts it, this is also the sport of fighting, and if you have two guys in there, and one guy almost puts the other guy out two or three times. That has like, to be more. That has to be worth more. Like, the, like the guy was almost out. Well, I mean, like, take it for, like, back to wrestling, it's like, if I, if you just escape from me, and get mm-hmm. one point is not worth as much as me taking you down, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, I should win because it's worth more. Like, what mm-hmm. I'm doing is harder to do, and it, it causes, you know, in MMA, it causes more damage. I mean, I, I would I would equate it almost to like in wrestling, like the guys winning on points, right? For sure, right? And then in the third was a third round. What do they call it again? Third period. Third period. Right. Right. Third period. Twenty thirty seconds left. I'm I'm winning on points, but I get fucking tired, and this guy almost pins me. Right? It's like, yeah, I won on points, but if this would have like this guy had me, right? <laughs> like I can concede to the fact that he probably had me. Right? If I just I just I just like wrote out the clock basically. Yeah, time saved me. Not, yeah, not right. my not my not me yeah. time. Yeah, right. Well, I I think Yoel Romero would be a tough task for uh, Adesanya. I don't It'd know. Be a good fight to see because um, I think he. He has that type of like, but again, you know, Yoel tires out too. I mean, that takes a lot of energy to. Well, that's why he fights the way he fights. He yeah. he's one of those guys that he's like Woodley, where he like. So there's parts when you're watching Yoel Romero and you're like, he's like fighting in slow motion. Mm-hmm. Like he'll like do these like, he'll like stick his hand out there like, faint really slowly, and then you're like, what? And then he lulls you to sleep, and then also he like explodes on you and like hits you with a double leg or puts you out with a punch. I mean, he's uh, he's got yeah. that Olympic yeah. Olympic level okay. talent. I mean, he's a super athlete. That's one of those things that's got to be just awful to game plan. You're like, oh, I don't know what everyone's so afraid of. You're in there, and next thing you know, you get a flying knee to the face. <laughs> yeah, Yoel's a freak, man. I mean, he, he like like I mentioned, he's he's a Olympic caliber. I mean, they look the Cuban wrestling program's insane. Yeah, I actually I got to uh, see a lot of them up close and personal. I went to the uh, wrestling World Cup. This not this year, last year when I was in uh, uh, University of Iowa and where we were staying, the hotel that was uh, where the Cubans and the Mongolian team were staying and just oh, seeing some of those guys up close and personal. I'm the like, Cubans? Yeah, I'm like, we're just different. Like, you guys are just <laughs> got better every, like, you guys are Better huge. genetics? Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I feel like they like, I mean, they take, for whatever reason, they take wrestling really seriously in Cuba. Oh yeah, for sure. And they just, I mean, they just, out of the womb. First off, I think those kids just have like amazing genetics for some reason. That's what Joel Romero was saying. He's like, yeah. just come to Cuba, look around. Everyone's we all, like there, there's a million, yeah, million people look. But then the, I think they're, with the way Castro was running their sports, I think they just were bred to fucking, this was what they were going to do. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was really interesting. Very nice, very nice people. Very, very cordial. They were cool. Just like if I said hi or wanted, you know, a picture or something, that was always, they were cool with it. You can always tell like someone that's wrestled just by like shaking their hand. You're like, oh, 
like this is a different kind of grip it's, that someone has it's it's funny you say that uh i uh like you always when i was like going out to the bars a lot in chicago it's like you always got to do like an ear check before you like want to get into <laughs> any like any confrontation right i don't really oh this guy's got a little cauliflower here yeah if this guy's a little cauliflower i might you know, i'm gonna stick away stay away from him he might yeah. be a fucking tough son of a bitch yeah. So that was, that's, uh, you know, that was something that I would always joke around about. Are you, um, are you watching Game of Thrones? Are you a Thro- Game of Thrones fan? I am. I am. And, I'm you know, it's, it's on right now. Yeah, I have it on, uh, DVR. Uh, no, I have like HBO now or whatever. So oh, yeah, yeah. I'll just pop it the, on after. I'll just hit the time to, time to go. Do you have to watch that? Does your wife watch it with you? My wife does not. She, ah, oh, so you're, you're solo on that. Yeah. She, she tried to watch it and, she didn't like the first like two or three episodes, so she just checked out. And I just kept too much going. too much blood. No, no, no. I, I think many, the first many boobies. No, I think the first two episodes are kind of slow, like in the season. I was going to say actually the the first season in general, like people that I've talked to that I've tried to get into it that are like oh, I quit quit after that first season. I'm like, just watch the entire first season. I know it's going to be rough, but it gets really good. <laughs> it, like the good parts are because of all of that labor. Right, like every all that foundation that they pull, almost like. So I'm assuming you're caught up. Oh yeah. So like right, after, after me, after me and you are done, and we're gonna, I'm gonna throw on Game of Thrones. Oh nice. So, uh, um, like that, even that first episode of season, this new new season was mm-hmm. a little slow, but they're doing right. the same. Like I think that's kind of their their method, you know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, it was, um, it was good. I'm just interested to see, you know kind of what happens it's only six episodes right this season yeah it's only six episodes so so they got every episode pretty fast here every episode is going to count yeah. <laughs> not that they don't ever count before but this one especially yeah for sure so i mean uh, if you got to go we can wrap this up no i don't gotta go i mean but we we probably have like another five ten minutes here yeah. um is there anything that you wanted to plug before we go or anything like you want to yeah uh you know i want to plug my kickstarter yeah um for sure want everyone to come and check that out it's a uh, um, it's a supernatural horror thriller um, about a guy. Man of Sin. Yeah, Man of Sin, where yeah. a guy, uh, everyday guy, just tries to find the truth about his murdered son and, you know, finding out how deep, um, how deep this loss will take him is, you know, kind of gets him into some sticky situations and gets him into some supernatural things. And it's, it's a fun, good ride if you're into horror, good ride if you're into thrillers, some mystery. Uh, and if you're into awesome art, uh, it it's a must, must, must read. I, I would wholeheartedly, I've read both issues. It's it's a lot of fun. I mean, it, it is dark <laughs> for sure. Yes. And it, and it helped them. The mood is definitely enhanced by the fact that you have a great artist who captures that like surreal darkness to the, to what you're writing. You know what? Uh, you know, we never had an actual conversation about this. Like this is how good, uh, Camillo is, uh, and, uh, is that he understands the tone of the book of every single like kind of page turn and every sequence. And so he colors it and paints it and draws it for that tone. And like, he understands something that like, we never had an actual conversation about this, but in the comic medium for horror, there's nothing that he can draw that's going to scare you. There's nothing that I can write that's going to scare you, really, right? You, you, it could be something grotesque and makes you not want to look at it, but it's not going to scare you. What I think Camillo does 
uh, really well is that he draws you in with the colors and where it affects you emotionally. And one thing that, you know, I really appreciate with him that he's done with my writing is that he's really amplified that because that's what I knew right away. There was nothing I could show or do that would scare you. I'd have to get into you, scare you psychologically or write something that kind of sticks with you. It's kind of sticky. Someone said that about my book. Your book is sticky. It sticks <laughs> with me. And that was something that I think I tried to do. And Camillo's just enhanced a million times because he's such a professional. And he's awesome. I mean, I, the fact that you guys have never even met, too. <laughs> that's crazy. It, it's it's pretty crazy. There are some things, like, he's so talented. There are some things that I'll put down on paper. Like, I have to, I don't even, English isn't even his first language. And so there are things that I write that he just literally plucks out exactly from my head and then that's makes crazy. it a hundred times better. Like, I don't, I don't even know how he does it. It's, it's incredible. It's, it's, you're lucky to have found someone that, that can, uh, that can work with you that way. Yeah, it was, I, I feel very lucky. So a uh, big shout out to Camillo. He's listening. Yeah. And definitely when is that Kickstarter happening? So I wanted to launch it on the 25th, but we're a little of April, okay. of April, but we're a little bit behind. I've actually, okay. um, just, on on my end, just kind of like I haven't been as productive as I need to with this neck injury, um, and so um, it's either the twenty fifth or it's going to be like the next week, that next Thursday, maybe the first, so like the, either the last week in April. Mm-hmm. I could I could send it to you. I wish I had a hard date, but I don't think I'm going to be ready on the twenty fifth. Got it. So some sometime after the twenty fifth, for sure. Yes, twenty fifth yes. or, or the first week in March or May. First week in May. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anything, anything social media wise, blog, anything else you want to plug? Yeah. Um, if you want to go to aguildy.com um, and sign up for my newsletters, um, I write kind of long form blog posts about writing, creativity, the writing process myself. Um, and it's just a good way to stay informed about kind of my creative projects like Man of Sin. Or if you just want uh, to just read just some, some things that from, uh, my short time in the creative field, like uh, my lessons learned blog, where I go into depth uh, about my two years I worked with that literary manager and kind of the things that I learned and um, what other people who might just be starting out on their journey might want to learn. Right. Great. Um, yeah, man, I think this was good. Uh, we can wrap it up here and both of us can watch Game of Thrones. I appreciate you reaching out because you were on my list and by you reaching out, it made me have to do less work in terms of finding someone to talk to for a couple hours. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. You know, I've, I, I've been a fan of your show since before I went on. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that. I don't know why anyone is, but I, you know, it's always it, nice to I, hear I that. I tell you how I found you guys? Like, it just, like, no. popped up. It just popped up on my, like, iTunes, like, something you would like. Really? Like, it just literally randomly popped up. And the first one was... Uh, I think it's your friend who was a hip hop artist. Uh, Eddie Pack, Pack One. I think, I think, yeah, I think that was the first one. And then there was uh-huh. some guy, it was a comic book artist from Chicago. Okay. I think he was either doing it, I don't know if he was doing a Kickstarter or he was self publishing his book. Scott um, Larson, maybe? I think that was, that was that one of them. And so, like, it was just in my wheelhouse of things uh-huh. that I like. And so I reached out to you guys, and it just happened that. You know, I was putting the Kickstarter together, and it just yeah. worked out. The timing worked, and we were 
cool enough to, to let you on. No, I'm just kidding. You were, you were cool enough to reach out. No, I, I mean, like, hell yeah, we'll have a guest on. I mean, I, I, thought it was, I thought it was awesome that uh, you guys, you know, were like so welcoming. I had a blast. And yeah, man. Just like, just like now, it was awesome. Cool, man. Yeah, I mean, you're always welcome to come on either show. So yeah, so it, know. it just happened. You know, obviously, I know Jimmy McPike, and uh, did you know Jimmy like that though? No, no, <laughs> I did not know Jimmy. Jimmy's uh, um, history, like knowledge, knowledge yeah. is. I mean, I was I was blown away. I was. <laughs> I'm really I'm really proud of him. I'm really really proud of Jimmy as a as a young man. He's grown, and yeah, I mean, he's. De- I mean, I remember meeting him. Because of you, got your he he was originally on our show because he heard you. I remember meeting him maybe two or three years ago, and then seeing him, you know, back again as a twenty-five-year-old out of the military. I was like, oh man, like he's a, he's. I mean, he was a man back then, but he's he's more of a man now. Like, yeah, he's I was, really coming to his own. I'm really happy for him. Really proud of him. Uh, it's awesome. Yeah, uh, it's funny that he he likes to go to Flash Taco. I I hated Flash Taco. <laughs> Like of all the, the the taco places that he could go to, that's the one. <laughs> Jimmy, besides, if you're listening, Andrew Gilly does not approve of Flash Taco. I, you know what? I told him that too when he was when I was coaching him. Uh, I we would have like team nights and we'd go to Laser Tag, and uh, they were like, "You got to go to this Flash Taco place. It's awesome." And I'm like, "Kids, are you serious right now? There's literally so many other taco places around here that you can get an actually good taco." And that's the one, and he's still going to it. But other than that, Jimmy, I think you're. He, I, I was floored by his, um, by his knowledge, his depth of knowledge. Uh, I thought he had a really interesting worldview. That I was proud that he's kind of coming into his own and thinking for himself. You know, I, yeah, I, I, I think I, that's awesome. As a as someone that was once twenty five, <laughs> right? You know, looking at him and being like, man, like he's just very well like he knows what he's talking about he can defend like his worldview and he can defend it eloquently and he can speak to things and like i was i'm th- I was thinking back to like when i was i was like even now i'm like i, I don't know what the fuck my worldview is sometimes <laughs> and i can't i can't speak with the depth of knowledge about the why i feel the way i feel like he can like i'm like that I mean, he's very impressive yes i i i second that you know it's, <laughs> it's funny i was probably his age when i started coaching him so to see him Oh yeah, uh, you know, grow into the person he's become. Yeah, it's 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 really awesome. It's really, it was really awesome to see. And it, uh, you know, I've been wanting to when I saw the spinoff shows, mm-hmm. I've been able to listen to a lot of them. When I saw he good. was when I when I saw that he was on, I you know I immediately listened, obviously because I know him. Um, and so I you know I had to reach out again. So I'm just happy that you you had some time and we could we could sit here and chit chat. Definitely, definitely. Here, I'm going to stop the recording right here. Thanks again, man. Yeah, no problem.